us just a bloke with a nose and ears. Hey, boomers! Welcome once again to your favorite fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official comic, Sonic the Comic. We two idiots are just what you're looking for. I am Chris McFeely. <laughs> I am Dave Bulmer. And we're here with issue 122 and an 8. 122 and an 8? <laughs> Hello, we're here with issue 122 of Sonic the Comic. Do you remember Sonic the Comic, everybody? We've got that. Cover dated February the 10th, but released on January 28th. 1998 is well underway now. We're a yeah. month deep. Yeah. Gosh, new year. New us. New times. New feelings. Bad cover. Well, <laughs> yeah. Is this actually clip art from the style guide? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. There is no cover artist credited on this one. Only cover design by Gary Knight. It is it is just a piece of clip art, yeah. Which is, if you recall, actually, now that I think about it, exactly how last year started as well. Covers really? with clip art on. So, yeah, they just don't got no money left. They've been on their Christmas holidays, is the thing. Nobody wants to put the work in over it. That, wait, that is what it is. No artist is drawing covers over the Christmas break, so they're getting slapping a bit of clip art down. That's what it is. Maybe. That's what I it is. I don't know. I feel like that's the sort of thing that needs to be done. You know, it's interesting, because I know how it works with American comics, where the covers have to be drawn so far in advance oh, yeah. so that they can be in the solicits and the catalogs i don't know how far in advance sonic the comic was drawn but it has been it does look like gary has colored this piece of clip art because there's some shading on it right i'm gonna so. give gary points for a few different aspects of this number one it's colored perfectly nicely i think yes, it doesn't look flat it's got some shading there's at least three different uh, shades there on his tom tom yeah, and two, if this is a piece of clip art, then presumably what he's supposed to be doing in the clip art is running. But it's not a very good drawing of running. It looks no. more like he's in mid-skate. So Gary yeah. has put a little swerve going behind his foot to make it look exactly like that's what he's doing. He's ice skating. Good one, Gary. It does have a very wintry vibe, mm. the whole cover. Now, you're willing to credit Gary with yep. that, whereas I am more like... I wonder if this is all a happy coincidence. <laughs> We've seen a few of these in living memory, mm -hmm. and it's just a background of very blurry shapes yeah. done on the computer. And then there's a sort of the vague sensation of a path on which Sonic is skating. Yeah. But the, the shapes and background are all a sort of metallic, grey, silvery colour, and he's, Sonic himself is surrounded by a white haze. And I think that little starburst symbol there in the top right that says, Dr. Robotnik pinup, yeah. uh, it's contributing to the wintry sense with a vaguest hint yeah. of a snowflake shape. Very slightly snowflakey, and of course light blue. Uh, that gives mm. that impression as well, yeah. So, uh, as we happen to be recording this in the middle of December, mm. maybe that's why we're more sensitive to the winter vibe of it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. If it was actually the end of January when we were looking at this, we'd probably... I don't know, it's cold uh, in january isn't it yeah but january but, brings the snow whatever it is i don't want to be looking at pictures of snow and snowflakes and robins i know in, it's different in isn't january it? yeah that's that's christmas stuff yeah even though it isn't like it's so weird what we've decided to look at in december versus when it actually is <laughs> that is more like january stuff isn't it <laughs> that stuff used to happen mm. i remember when it used to snow in winter yeah it's uh, yeah it's been known to happen in, during our lives, hasn't it? Oh, well. Um, what else have we got as well as Dr. Robotnik pin-up? We've, We've got, got some new stories. Mm, Sonic, Root of All Evil. And Tails, Recipe for Disaster, mm. plus uh, Snack Attack Reader's Art. 
Oh, and much more. does yours say Snack Attack Reader's Art? My, that's weird. Mine doesn't say that because mine, mine, mine says Fab Poster Free. Oh my, in my God! Bagged copy of this, this comic issue. is full of biggin poster. Dave's got the yes. I'd totally forgotten that this <laughs> issue comes with a uh, a poster, which yeah. we had concluded last issue meant it was uh, polybagged. Yeah, and, and Dave's sure still enough, got the bag. Good lord, my there bag it is. Says, Fab Sonic poster free and a big yellow streak down the bottom left hand corner. Well, Dave, so. for the love of God, get the poster out and show it to me. Well, I will, and you know, I've saved it. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Don't know what it's of. Oh, you haven't looked at it yourself. You just left it in the bag. That's right. I'm guessing it'll just be the cover. God, I hope it's not just the cover. Should we finish off the cover before we get onto that? Yes. The other things noted on the cover are that free inside there, <laughs> for the third issue, not in a row, but the third issue in two months, Yeah. Uh, two Sega World entry vouchers. Which is well and truly established. It is free to get into Sega World at this we, stage. No, no, we only have Wikipedia to go on. I, I, I guess, I, yeah. But but, but, we, but the Wikipedia we have to go on says December. So if it happened at all, I bet it's happened by now. It's getting pretty <laughs> sus. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So let's see that poster, baby. All right, let's have a little look then. It's folded in four. It's a big one. Oh, a four? I thought it was maybe just double. Okay, it's got a red background, so it's not just Ooh. the cover. Oh, wow. Just tore it a little bit just then. No! Just a little bit, tiny little bit. Little notch right in the fold. Are we ready? Oh. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of the cover, isn't it? Yes, it's a piece of Sonic clip art not coloured nicely. No. On a red 2D background made on the computer. <laughs> that looks a bit summery, doesn't it? Hot imagery. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In, in reds and yellows and oranges. It's got a couple of like sun looking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's that the one. Can't be intentional, but it is like it is it is totally it it's not kind of the opposite. It's one hundred percent the opposite. Uh, the piece of clip art in question being the one that we have observed before from yes. the as we maybe didn't say clearly enough that one on the cover and on this there are two pieces of clip art from the new style guide yes. that STC has been working off of for the last little while uh, and this is the one of Sonic jumping downwards yes. with the spikes so his spikes are going up into all the up air and... making them do bad and wrong things that everybody feels that that's how they have to draw Sonic now yeah, it's a very strange... It's not just a mere the spikes are kind of flapping upwards. It's like half supersonic, half there's just random spikes coming out there's literally everywhere. There's just spikes coming out everywhere. It's, it's, I hit it. So there we go. That's that. not seen these 26 years, probably, that poster by anyone. Yes, I suppose we probably shouldn't have got our hopes up there. I mean, I don't feel like I did mm. get my hopes up. But even as low as my hopes were, they were fairly severely dashed there. Because, of course, if they can't get anybody to make a cover... They're not going to get anybody to make a poster, are they? Well, then it's a funny time to give away a poster, isn't give it? Give away a blimmin' poster, yeah. It's very hard to get back in the bag. Hold on a minute. You gotta, you gotta roll it. You roll it, slide it. You know, just, just more curve than it, usually curve it difficult. It, not to li get, not literally roll it up, but then just pop that in and then let it pop back out to full size. You gotta, you gotta pop that in, and then pop that out, pop that in. Bacon. Very hard. Roll it, slide it, pop that in, and then curve it. You gotta, you gotta roll it, pop that in, and then pop that out. Sonic and Tails just get to be buddies. Pop that in, and then pop that out. And ball hogs got new feelings. Still hard to pop that in, and then pop that out. More than usually difficult to get this in. You gotta slide it, pop that in, and then 
pop Now I don't like it when we have, for some reason, I resist when we have a Technic, a Lego Technic advert, because I just was never into Lego Technic. Yeah, we've, we've, as we've said several times on this yeah. show, it's Lego, but worse. Yeah, I was in the Lego store the other day, and I was looking at all the Lego, and I, and I got to the Technic bit, and I went, oh, and I swerved away. It's just I don't want to know. Oh yeah, that bad, huh? Yeah, I don't want to know. Do not want to know. It's like football, but <laughs> it's not nearly as bad as football. I, would, I mean, I'd like to have some Lego Technic. I feel like it would be probably quite fun. And this is a case in point. It's very intuitively yeah. clear what this Lego Technic does, isn't it? It does boxing glove on a spring. That's what it does. Yeah. It, you, it's basically a sort of gun with a trigger, and the trigger unleashes a boxing glove on a spring style mechanism that's got a kind of a, a half ball pad on the end of it. And you, I don't know, you punch each other's hands, you hurt each other's fingers with it. It's uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots in Lego Technic form. Looks like the set comes with two of these things. And they're on wheels as well. They're on wheels, and they're a sort of a cockpit hmm. on the end of an armature, which is itself rising up out of a base on wheels. You grip the armature, and you squeeze the trigger... And from the cockpit in the, um, what, what is the word for that mechanism? Um, right, because there is one. Not boxing glove on a spring. No. You, you know, the, the crisscrossed beams mm. that telescope out when they're, you know, like Wiley Coyote would use to hit the roadrunner with, except he'd miss and knock a boulder over on himself. Yes, the real-life version of the boxing glove on a spring mechanism. Yes. I call it a Vita Rod, because that's the first time I saw it in Through the Dragon's Eye. Um, it's, oh, there was one, Nigel Kitching drew a good one, didn't he, once? I want to know what you call it. I don't want to know what to... Nigel Kitching drew. I'm trying to think, uh... You call it a scissor mechanism. A scissor mechanism. And the idea is that you hit the target on the opponent's vehicle to catapult the little Lego minifigure. Oh, I see. There's a literal, actual little target. That, mm -hmm. It's like one of those punch this and we'll measure how hard you punched it machines like on the early Games Master. Yeah. And if you can wallop that, it'll catapult the minifigure sitting in the cockpit out. Yes. Honestly, that's kind of great, isn't it? Yeah. What a cool invention. It, that, it would be a short live stream, but it'd be the sort of thing we could definitely get up to. Yeah. Well, we include the building time. Um, that extends it out a bit. Well, I suppose the point is it extends it out a bit. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Strike a blow. Four different sets to collect. Wait a minute. Here. What? Wait a minute. So there's a picture of this thing. There's another picture of this thing. There's a photo of the thing down at the bottom. There's a diagram of this thing and exactly what it does. And then it says prices from around nine ninety nine to forty four ninety nine. Well, we're, it's one thing. Well, presumably this is technically an ad, technically an ad <laughs> for the competition range of Lego Technic because oh. there's a big logo here for competition. That's so, what there's four different sets of to collect. Yes, yes, you're right. What we're seeing here specifically is called the Jaw Tongs Slammer. Yeah, number 8257 if you want to look that up on whatever Lego wikis you guys have got. They got do you know do you not know what the Lego wikis called the Brickipedia of Brickipedia. course. <laughs> Yeah, just looking it up here, it seems like in some regions, uh, or perhaps it was renamed later, this the competition series was also known as the Cyber Slam series, oh. which is a better name. Oh, Cyber Slam. Well, yeah, the guys in it look all cybery, don't they? The two little minifigs. There's they do. They've got cyborg bits. One of them's pictured, and he's got a cyborg eye coming over his head. The other one's just a bloke in a helmet. He's normal, but he's kind of got a cyborg coat on, hasn't he? <laughs> And though it's called the Jotong Slammer on this ad here... Oh, what's it called in America? Wikipedia lists it under the name Cyber Strikers. Okay. Which again, 
Better name? Yeah. It's, I don't always agree with the American names for Lego things. The Dark Shark? Very good name for a pirate ship. Barracuda? It's alright. But yeah, I agree here. These are cyber guys. That makes it more interesting. And uh, this range ran from... It started in 1998, so we're in out of the gate here. Launched in the new year, obviously, this yeah. range. Wait a minute. So, hold on. Did, you, did you say that cyber... What was it? Cyber... Cyber Slam. Is that instead of competition? Yeah. Cyber Slam slash competition are the two names listed here. Competition? Yeah. Okay, so it couldn't possibly be a better name then, Cyber Slam. That's so much better than competi... Why did they call it competition? I don't know. But whatever you call them, they, they actually, I think they're some of the coolest, or at least the most fun-looking yeah. Technic we've seen advertised on STC This looks yeah. like a good toy, and if you build it yourself, well, that's just more time spent on it, isn't it? So, yeah, great. Yeah. I'd have a muck about with that. Definitely. Nope, nothing. Not a thing. Moving on. Play the Sonic theme. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, I quite liked the... Um, uh, so, listeners, he literally just tells you what's happening in the issue. But then underneath that, we do have the Birthday Bash Compo winners. Uh, back in STC 116, Sega invited 100 readers to help celebrate six years of Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive. I seem to recall that they got the date wrong, didn't they? Uh, well, it wasn't so much I think that they got it wrong as that they just made it up. Yeah, that's right, yeah. They said what it was and just made the date up. And then all they do then is they list the, what is it, 100? Is it? How many is it? Yes, People. 100. Who went to the Hamleys birthday bash along with that one YouTuber and saw Sonic stick his face in a cake. <laughs> Whose name is Aaron Foster. Mm -hmm. He actually uh, got in touch with us uh, yeah. after we released the episode containing the competition. Because he did a uh, YouTube video for That's the right. YouTube channel Lucky Hit. Uh, because he got to go to Sonic's birthday in Hamleys. And he just notes that last year during the Sonic 2 movie release, that's the actual live-action movie, mm -hmm. Sonic 2, I had to dress up in a terrible Sonic costume at work. Hey. So I know that birthday oh, Sonic's pain Aaron. of not seeing sh**. <laughs> oh, you must have been genuinely delighted. That that would I would have been made up of that. If I'd seen the Sonic costume, had a video about it, Won this competition and then got to be in the Sonic costume. Oh, I'd have, I'd have had a moment about that, I reckon. Life's got a way of coming full circle, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Him and 99 others all listed here. I found this list quite interesting just because two of them have their postcodes listed. They must be proud of it. it. must be good locations. The first one is in London SW1. Well, presumably, I guess it's because he didn't provide full name details, so they could only call him Andrew, and this was how you know which Andrew you are. Oh, yeah, and that's what so... so of course, they've... Well, no, that's... It's actually a little weird that they've bothered printing this, to be fair, yeah. since it's all done and happened already. Nobody needs to be notified that they've won. They've been. Yes, and also, they must have their full details, because they've been. Like, they gave them the prizes and everything. They know who they are, surely. Well, yeah, at the time, but it's hmm. two months later. And <laughs> whoever's, oh, yeah. been, whoever's not been paid to write this list up isn't going to know that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got a few ones here. A Sonic fan from Dorking, Surrey. Oh. And there are two Jay Watsons. So we've got Jay yes. Watson and Jay Watson, another one. <laughs> yes, they've actually put that in a little bracket like that. you got to make your own fun whenever you're writing up a list like this. Don't you? Now, the only other thing in the control zone at all is Megadroid just noticed next issue. We're getting a free key ring. Oh, Hobson and Choi, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Ellie DeVille. 
Dr. Robotnik tricks Hobson and Choi into believing that he is the benevolent former ruler of Mobius who has been deposed by the evil Sonic. Thinking that helping Robotnik regain power will lead to great reward, Choi announces that they'll take Sonic down for the Doctor, and Robotnik sends them to the Emerald Hill via Mobius Ring. The big, tough Hobson holds his own against Sonic in a fight, but our hero landing one good thump on the shrimpy, cowardly Choi is all it takes for the little wimp to call a full retreat. I have a lot of thoughts. Good. That's good. That's what a podcast has got to have in it. Let's have them. So the first couple of pages of this, yeah. just what we wanted. <laughs> Ooh, such delicious seasoning on the whole thing. Uh-huh. We were joking last issue about how Dr. Robotnik was going to do a Knuckles on yes. Hobson and Choi. And after he does the Knuckles on him, he <laughs> thinks to himself, These idiots are even easier to fool than Knuckles was. <laughs> so love that. Love everything about it. Yes. A little bit of a retread, though, isn't it, I suppose? It's kind of... It's like we've had this scene before, but they acknowledge it, so it's fine. <laughs> That's got, Yeah, you put a lampshade on it. Yeah. Uh, I like whenever he wants to present himself as a goodie and Sonic is a baddie. He's got video footage of Super Sonic yeah. keyed up yeah. to go, look at the state of the on. Yeah. Even though he, he thinks to himself and says, they don't know Super Sonic and Sonic are two completely different individuals. Yes. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty recent development, mate, to be yeah, honest. Does, you know, he, does he this know? This isn't even really a lie if it was a little while ago. Is he aware that they're separate individuals even? Like, was he there when that happened? I don't know. Uh, I suppose, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been directly involved in any of those stories. He's no particular reason to Well, know what about that. 100 when? Did, did he know that was Super Sonic over Mobius? No, he was up on the floating island while that was all happened when Super Sonic was happening down on the surface. I mean, I guess he could have found... He could realistically have found out since. I was going to say, did he ever find out what deposed him? I guess, like, uh, well, he'll have looked it up. That's a in, good point, It'll yeah. have been in the paper. He'll have looked... Grimer have read told the paper. You, Grimer told him. Grimer knows Grimer was down on the surface. He probably saw some of it. Grimer's... On, f- listen, if anyone is too on Twitter, Grimer is. <laughs> He's found out everything. I do like I'm that they did Terminally didn't... online. <laughs> they didn't use a thought balloon here so Robotnik just turns away from them and goes ha they don't even suspect I'm lying stage whisper <laughs> I do I like the way Kitching writes the dialogue because it puts me in mind of uh, do you remember whenever Robotnik took the chicken mask off and confronted Knuckles and was like you don't yes you don't plan to kill me do you yeah. and here he's like did Sonic send you what more does he want hasn't he already done enough to me <laughs> it's good enjoy it but then it kind of mm-hmm. becomes nothing. Yeah. Ultimately, nothing happens in this strip. Mm-hmm. So, like, all we can do is see how and if it feeds into either the, the three-part story that's advertised as being next, or if that's not a kitchen, then I guess just whenever he does come back and follow up on it. There's, there's not much. Well, this is the thing that must be talked about. Ah. Hobson and Choi. What? Never appear again. What? Yep. That is, because there is nothing else to talk about except describing the beats of the fight that happened, we just got to jump to it. This is a two-part story that is all set up for these two characters who then never appear again. It's not that, obviously, obviously he had some kind of thought of what was going to happen with these guys. Nope. 
Never show up again. Wow. I mean, apparently, according to the wiki, uh, now yeah. I, I wanted to look this one up because I was like, there was just something about this. It was so nothing. I really felt like I had to go and look up what became of these characters next. And uh, nope. But apparently he had a plan for them to go through an arc where they would have ultimately wind up with like Sonic's buddies and sidekicks. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. That's what it kind of. Yes, this feels like a writer giving himself something to do. It feels like, well, I'll tell you what, let's try this. Let's see where I go with this. I'll give myself these toys to play with. What will I do with them? Very surprised that the answer is just just nothing ever again. Nothing, mate. Yeah, nothing at all. Because it's not like these guys are nothing. There's quite a bit of characterization here to Choi. Yeah. Choi's the small one, right? Choi's the little guy who seems to be yeah. like a, a porcupine or something. He's purple and spiky. Yes. It is Lenny and George. It's the big <laughs> strong guy. Not dumb. Now, that's a key yeah. difference between how this pairing often plays out in media. He's not stupid. He's just big and tough and he just does what Choi tells him but he's not stupid. He's constantly saying this doesn't seem like a good idea. I probably shouldn't be doing that and then Choi says shut up idiot do it and uh, yeah he doesn't come off as stupid. He just comes off as big. And that's Choi. He, Choi is a nasty little bit of work. He's, uh, he's yeah. all mouth. He's all sort of threats and I'll do this and I'll stop you and this and that. But he never does any of his... We'll only get into more trouble by helping that Robotnik guy, Choi. It's your problem, Hobson. No imagination. Look, once Robotnik's back in power, he'll be so grateful, we'll be rich, and we'll never have to work again. Well, you never worked that much in the first place. Yeah, that's who they are. And then whenever they spot Sonic, he goes, Attack him while we have the element of surprise, and Hobson roars in, Aren't you coming, Choi? And then Choi does this big wincy face, <laughs> and he goes, Oh, a sudden cramp! Oh, once again, my old wound slows my advance. <laughs> so there's plenty here to play with with these two characters. Um, but yeah, something about them don't... Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the fact that I don't... You know, the, the, in my hind brain, I didn't remember seeing them again. and, and I. Did, but they don't quite feel like enough fun for Nigel. It doesn't surprise me, really, that he didn't return to them. Because they're fine and they're usable. But they're not... I don't know, they're not something to fully grip onto. and They're not even something to build four pages of a fight around. Like, after the opening three pages with Robotnik mm. and them, the whole thing, the fight with Sonic, is just not really anything. And while he's got all of this great stuff to play with in the form of the Dracons, and Emperor Kodor and all of that, like, that's that's got to be way more fun. So yeah, I can totally yeah. see why... He kind of left these alone after this. Maybe it was... It feels like a little experiment, Is I guess is what I was saying before. It feels like, let's see, will I enjoy this? Will I get anything out of this? No, all right, all right let's carry on then. Let's write about something else instead. It's just... It, but in a way that I'm not used to seeing in STC before. Normally, everything does go somewhere and he'll go like, oh, okay, I'll do this with that. Well, I mean, I mean, it doesn't even really end is the mm. thing as well. It's the fact that it, it's part of, part of it is that it ends so openly here. Yeah. Sonic punches Hobson and he bounces right off his big belly, his big obelisk belly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then while Sonic is dazed from being thrown back into a stack of barrels, it's always flipping barrels <laughs> nowadays. There are just loads of them lying around the Emerald Hill. Choi jumps in and starts swinging his fists and Sonic's able to hold him at arm's length just by pressing his finger into his forehead yeah. and pushing him away. And then he socks him one and sends him flying a mile. And Choi's like, right, uh, that's it. Off we go. That's it. Done now. Finished. And it is. No, I got hit. I got hit. I'm going. He's taking his ball and he's going home. So he rings up Robotnik and says, we've met Sonic. Our mission's been a success. We'd like to leave now. And Hobson asks him, how are you going to make this mission sound like a success? I'll think of something. Oh, my God. They jump through the ring. 
Well, I think we know how that meeting went, don't we? <laughs> he killed them. Oh my god, he just snapped their necks with his bare hands. And they were never seen again. Ooh. <laughs> I think Hobson would give him a run for his money. I think he would. I don't know how that would go down. Here's how I'm thinking it goes. Troy makes his excuses, right? Hobson is sensibly stepping back from this. He has his moment of like, you know what? This guy doesn't speak for me anymore. Robotnik snaps Choi's neck and Hobson is too sad to ever do anything again. And so Robotnik can just walk away from him and that's that. It's the way the story ends with Sonic going, if Robotnik's sunk to using clowns like them, he must be really desperate. Or he's planning something really clever. And we know he is up to stuff, obviously, because mm. there's this whole plot going on in the background. But no, these two are not part of that. I'm sure you want to flag up this burger, though. Oh my god, this burger. Uh, this bur- Listeners, I warned Chris about this burger, because I was like, there, there's a burger in this issue that's going to make you hungry, so time your reading with that in mind. Fortunately, <laughs> I'd already had a burger shortly beforehand. It's not even just the burger. It... The, so Sonic is eating a burger and drinking a can of fizz. Yeah. F-I-Z. Fizz. Fizz. With a yin-yang logo on. Oh, because it's like the Pepsi logo, but it's yin-yang. It's something else, so you're not going to get done by copyright. That's very clever, Richard Elson. Well done. But he's got this burger. And it's not even so much the burger as it is the carton. Look how <laughs> real that carton is. Can't you just anticipate getting a burger in your face, seeing the texture and the crumple of it? Yeah. And the shade, it, when Sonic has to run off to see what's going on, because uh, so this is in the scene where so, Sonic finds out about Hobson and Choi because he's just hanging out in his new base, and Kinterbor, who's still still missing, missing his, his hair, hair yeah, from Lara's last issue, as we notice, yes, says there's a couple of intruders and like they're using a Mobius ring, so that's bad. So Sonic says it's either Dracon Empire or Robotnik if there's a Mobius ring being used. So off I go. He runs off to check it out. And the burger is left just flapping in the air where he was. And it's so visceral. Look at how he's shaded the mince. The mince. Can't you, <laughs> can't you feel it between your teeth? That's a, oh, He's inked the outside of it with like this stippled, bubbly line thickness. Oh, it's just so burgery, guys. It's grayer and a more realistic color of a burger <laughs> than you expect out of a cartoon. Yeah, by far, yeah. The only unappetizing bit is... Quite how glue-like this what must be cheese is. Uh, I find the presence of those green tomatoes uh, or pickles or whatever there because they look like green tomatoes. They look like green tomatoes. Yeah. I, I assumed they were pickles. Are you not a pickle in your burger, man? Either way, neither of those things. Thank you. Get them both you, straight in the bin. You take your pickle out. Well, you can put it straight in my burger. Oh, I don't put it in in the first place. I will now. You've got that option, but that's only recently developed with those touch screens. You had to put up with it in the olden days. No, you just asked the person to not put it in. Please and thank you oh you go that far of no. course i Dave. <laughs> i can have it my way <laughs> i just asked them not to put it in it's so nice the pickle yum 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 get that f***ing lettuce out of there while you're at it i mean yeah what i didn't jive with was sonic slurping the lettuce yeah. out of the burger in the second panel no neither i nor sonic would do that i'll have oh lettuce in my burger yeah for sure i'll have that no nope. add a little bit of crunch it to it get rid of it doesn't change the flavor just gets a bit of crunch in there unless now if you're at the likes of a mcdonald's they're just putting some shredded lettuce in you're fine i will not stand for it when you get lettuce in something be it a burger be it whatever and they've put the 
stalk. Like you've a thick bit from near the stalk. I simply can't engage with this conversation because there is no metric <laughs> by which I will accept it. So it's like, no, either of those things is equally as bad as the other. At least when it's a full leaf, you could just lift that shit out. You don't got to scrape like whenever they put little shredded lettuce in there if you don't manage to get it taken out. You also don't have to suck it out like Sonic does. Would you not even have a slice of tomato in there then? Nope. Ugh, tomato's the worst one of all. What with you, man? I mean, listen, I, I speak as one who had to train himself into these things. There's no need. Why did you feel the need to do that? Because, because you were too cowardly to ask them not to put it in there. You gotta assert yourself in these situations. It's not... I'm Not too cowardly, because again, you've got the touch screen now. You can have it your way. It's... I mean, before then. Yeah. Whenever you had to speak to a person. That's when you did the training. It's more the shame of it. It's more going up to a person and saying... I don't want the healthy parts of this. Can I have no, the bad parts? That's that's cowardice, in yeah. my opinion. Don't Can bring I your, have your, a ten-year-old's burger, please? You're cowardly. You're afraid it, of feeling ashamed. Pretend I'm at nope. a friend's sixth birthday party at McDonald's. That's the <laughs> burger I want. Leave all the good stuff out. I've come to get a burger. No juicy stuff. I've come to get a burger. Nothing, wait, wait. nothing that'll make me better as a person. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But I like myself a nice burger now. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, I, do, I just do. I like it. It's all interesting textures and things. I like a bit of slice Meat. of tomato in there. Meat and sauce. Now, what I would never have is a slice of tomato just in a by-itself sort of situation. There are people who can eat a tomato like an apple. Ugh, sick freaks! Eating it like an apple. Unbelievable. Ugh. Slice of them in a sandwich, I'll have that. As long as there's, as long as there's enough salt ugh. in there as well. You know, I've got to have some ham or something in a sandwich if it's got a sliced tomato in. But I'll have a sliced tomato, that's fine. Wouldn't never. No. Literally never, mate. Mm. they got to be pulp till there's nothing left in them and then mm -hmm. spread on there. And what about butter? Are we putting that on? I, I had, there, there was a terrible <laughs> vibe, wasn't there? Yeah, all right. That's enough of that then. <laughs> <laughs> More conversation about this bloody burger than about what the story's notionally about. But there's nothing to grab onto here. There's more layers. <laughs> no, so there's some good Robotnik writing. Yeah. And then there's some uh, there's some characters with a strong, if well-trodden, gimmick who are just spread too thin across four pages here. Yes, in terms of, like, the... You know, there are two things you can describe as writing. And in terms of the dialogue and the way it all plays out, the, like, that writing... It's fine. It's just, yeah, you do sort of spend it going, oh, I wonder what this is for. Yeah. yeah, it's all set up for nothing. And now you've dropped this bomb on me that doesn't even set anything up for the future. Yeah. That, it does make me wonder why we did this. Yeah. And why it was a two-parter. And, and well, Yeah, yeah. The fact there was a two-parter. And, and last issue, as I recall, was perfectly pacey. Mm -hmm. You know, in the way things unfolded. A rare miss on the Kitching Sonic front from the last little while. Very rare. His Sonic work has been... Firing on all cylinders since the Dracon stuff kicked off, really. And yep, this is just, um, I mean, this is a rare dud. All I can think is that he did think he was bringing them back. And but even if he was bringing them back, this set of seven pages just wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be there. They just, it just wouldn't have it, whatever it is. I've defended issues like this in the past because I like a, it's just a fight issue when he's fighting badniks or whatever, when it's re-establishing the status quo. You know me, I like it when we return to the status quo and remind ourselves it exists without having to always upend it. This isn't that. This is this is a change to the status quo. This is who are these strangers? What are we doing with them? And that's a question mark that never gets, never gets its dot. <laughs> yep. Next issue, a new three-part Sonic story, as you said, and that is a big one, and mm. it is back to the plot that we left off two Brilliant. issues ago, uh, which I guess is... Part of the reason that these characters don't have room to come back and then just just never get revisited. But um, 
uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating because you can tell that Nigel and I'm sure Richard as well uh, mm-hmm. thought they had something here that just sort of didn't pan out. Knuckles. 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 Um. Knuckles. Knuckles. On the Run, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Elita Fell. Mistaken by the police for the long-missing criminal, Oscar the Pig, Porker Lewis panics and runs for it, forcing Knuckles to clobber the coppers and run after him. Unaware that the Chaotics have heard the news and are now on their trail, the pair take cover in a bar, only to run smack into Oscar's former employer, the crime boss, Hammerhead. So the second strip in the comic is another one that feels like, okay, where's this going? So it's a little bit tricky to think what to say about it now in the moment. Mm. Um, now, to be fair, this is a, well, you know what? I don't know how many parts long this is. No. I'm sure it's at least four, if not longer. But there's another one anyway. Yeah, there's another one. This isn't the end of this story. No. And as set up, I, I found it quite interesting. Yeah. But it's the, basically the, the overall statement of this episode is, yeah, no, there is something going on here. Yeah. Something is going on about Porker and Oscar, maybe, or is it, or is it not, or maybe, or what is it? I personally don't remember what it is, so I don't know. So I do, uh-huh. but I won't tell you. No, please. And so all I have to go on is what's happening right now. And what's happening right now is Porker just scarpers from the law. But Knuckles basically trusts him. He knows yeah. that he's he seems like a decent fella. Knuckles said a cab. Yeah, and he does his Nigel Kitching move. He punches the ground, <laughs> and all the cops go scattering everywhere. And he runs away, so now now him and Porker are on, on the lam. So that's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't want to leave Porker on his own in the special zone. He says to the cops, I'm sure there's a simple explanation for this. We'll talk about it down at the station. <laughs> Look at that big moustache. That's a New York City. That, well, as we know, this is a new tech city, which yes. is also known as Marvel Comics New York. Yes. So you got to imagine those classic 1960s New York Irish Chief O'Hara cops. They're on the run. That's what they're doing. We then cut back to Chaotix and the putting of those... The randos, the zombie brothers, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I'm, I'm tired of them. We, they, well, they're done now. They're in the paddy wagon, and ready to be carted off. Well, I thought, I thought that last episode, but here they are again. But yes, and uh, this cop here, who is absolutely Ebony's brother, right? <laughs> yeah, gets this message. All units, look out for Oscar the pig. And this is where Vector sees a picture. On the walkie-talkie, leans in, goes, oh, yeah, what's that all about? And the, the police just let him, um, about Oscar the Pig, and, and well, that looks like Porker, and something weird is going on. So we're just sort of establishing that this is happening, and that there's a lot of establishing going on. Specifically, Vector sends Mighty and Espio to check it out, so that sort of gives us a little context for why so much of Chaotix's part in last issue was dedicated to them and their oh, yeah. bickering okay. relationship, because I guess they're going to be our Chaotix representatives in this yes. story. Perhaps Vector and Charmy are going to sit this one out for a little bit. That's rather good then, actually, yeah. isn't it? Charmy wants to come along too, but uh, everyone just tells him to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yippity yabbity do. can I come too, guys? Can I, can I, what do you say, huh? Shut up, Charmy. Shut it, Dinah. How come you and Mighty never want me around? You figure it out, Charmy. I really like how um, Dobbin's drawing the Chaotix guys. Look at them all there just standing and telling Charmy to shut up. It's just a nice drawing. 
You see how in the first panel, SBO and Mighty are still arguing about it after last issue. Have they? Oh yeah, oh yeah! Yeah, pointing at each other oh, and gesturing yeah. and hand-talking. This is all basically good, but I'm just sort of... I'm waiting for something this issue to grab me and grip me and yeah. bring me back online. Mm-hmm. The key bit of info this scene is meant to communicate is that Oscar the Pig used to be a member of the Hammerhead, Hammerhead Gang. Gang. Yes. Which then leads us into joining back up with... Okay, so uh, I loved this page. Mm. I like this page, because what it is is that Porker and Knuckles have ended up in this bar. This hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, although we can't see much of it. All we can see is this dramatically shaped individual in the background in the first panel, and you go... Is that a, oh, 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 look, is that an eye on the side of it? Oh, is that a fin? Oh, okay, cool. Yes. There's an STC hammerhead shark here. And then you go, oh, hammerhead. Mm. And then you watch as for the rest of the page, this guy just starts to sort of gradually slide into the story from the background. And it's, it rules. Yeah, it's a series of switching angles. It's five widescreen panels, the full width of the page. Mm-hmm. And the first panel opens with Knuckles and Porker in the foreground. And in the background, you see either a waiter or a patron or somebody yeah. spill a drink on this very stylishly suited, very hellfire clubby kind of dressed shark. Then for the second panel, the angle switches, and now the shark is in the foreground, but he's so big that his head is up off the <laughs> panel, so we just see him as yeah. he he's either standing or turning, and Knuckles and Porker in the foreground. And the, the whole page is a conversation between Knuckles and Porker, so yeah. that's all we're, we're reading. That's the text of the page, yeah. Then the angle switches back, and we see this hammerhead guy pick up the guy who spilled the drink <laughs> by his neck. The next panel turns, we see him fling him aside, and then he advances upon Knuckles and Porker. It's just, yeah, it's just a great yeah. page, yeah. Yeah. That informs what happens on the next page, which is that, you know, Hammerhead comes up and is, is like... He says, well, look who we have here. Oscar. How nice to see you after all this time, my boy. Ah, uh, now, look, there's been some kind of mistake. This is poor... I was not yeah. speaking to you, my friend. He just enacts three panels of violence until Knuckles is over there. (laughs) It's not even 100% fully always clear exactly specifically what violence is happening in each panel, but you can tell that Oh, he's backhanding him. He's not backhanding him, he's backfisting him. Yeah, and Knuckles is just far away by the end of these three panels, and I love that. Because he's very Lord Sidewinder. He is holding a walking stick and everything. He's that kind of guy. He's dressed like somebody out of the Hellfire Club. He's got an ascot. And he punches Knuckles with the hand holding the cane. Then he backhands him and sends him flying away. And then he hits him one more time and away he goes. And it's always it's punctuated with each speech bubble. I was not speaking to you, my friend. Yes, I do object to the two being in that second balloon. It should have been in the last yes, one. Yes, that's not where the emphasis should be. Yeah. Yes, I was not exclamation mark speaking exclamation mark yes. to you this is between Oscar and I. And Knuckles is just... Look at that last panel. You can just see Knuckles' foot oh, yeah. sticking up <laughs> over the uh, the knocked-over table and chairs as this guy looms over Porker. Next issue, enter SBO and Mighty. Okay. So it's so this is all fine. Mm-hmm. No complaints. It's just that it's more set up, and I'm, uh, I'm itching for some payoff, I guess. Yes, and we wouldn't feel this way about it if it wasn't coming on the heels yeah. of a Sonic story yeah. that had left us feeling the way we do. Yeah. Like, I'm not negative about this knuckle strip in any way. No, not at all. But I'm also not bouncing about it. Mm. And and that would be fine, except it's this whole vibe of setup. So stay tuned. Watch this space. We'll find out next issue, maybe? Next episode? Or we'll find out something. Sometime at some point. 
Hey Dev, would you like to um, yeah. play some pocket tricks with your dicky? <laughs> they didn't think it through, did they? Ah, neither did I. <laughs> yeah, pocket tricks. Dot dot dot. Big fun. You know, small tricks, big fun. It's oh, is that what it is? That's the, oh, that's the juxtapose. So it's pocket tricks, big fun. Big fun. Yes. Oh, uh, that's clever, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I was extraordinarily upset when I saw this. <laughs> how come? <laughs> because, like, we had a joke a little while ago about how monster, even monster yeah. in my pocket, is bad. No, uh -huh. when we had, um, what was it called, safari in my pocket? Yeah. Realistic animals. That's right. Now it's turned into magic in my pocket. Yeah, the, the latest in a long line of anything at all in my pocket. Yeah, and these are pocket-sized magic tricks that appear to be sold in little blind bags. But that strikes me as a pretty fun use of the In My Pocket branding, though. I, I would have loved this, and I can't give yeah, yeah, you... Yeah, 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 but like... What? It's not a monster in my pocket. It's is it? not, is it? It's the in it's, my pocket. It's yeah. desperation, is what it is. Yeah, the 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 product is one I think I would have enjoyed. The yeah. association mm -hmm. with a much better one is a problem. Yeah, that's the that's yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, I, we all enjoyed fiddling with magic tricks. Little magic back then. tricks, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. I can't really give you an explanation for why I never tried this. I, I must have just felt I don't have any memory no. of this existing. All I can think is that I'm because I am a bit older now. I must have felt self-conscious about buying kiddie blind bag things from the newsagent yeah, probably, counter. To be honest, or I just never saw them. I don't know where they were uh, sold. But so yes, yes, it's the fact that it does say that they are at all good newsagents and toy shops yeah. now. So they're going to be sat under the counter with the newsagents with the trading cards and the stickers. Yeah, that's where these sorts of things went. They're not real toys like Monster in My Pocket was. No, these are little blind bag collectible newsagent counter things. Holy crap, I had that one. What? Which one? Sorry, I've just looked down at the picture. I, I didn't get it from this, but it must have been in a set that was manufactured by the same guys. Uh -huh. Do you see that purple thing with the green pins sticking up green out of pins, it? pins, yeah. Had that. Can tell you what it is. Please do. It's a sort of a cylindrical box. You take the lid off. Uh, and you put a coin in it, and it it comes with a plastic coin that you put in it, and then you put those pins through it, and the pins go through and come out the bottom as if they have perforated the coin, yeah. and oh, how did it happen? And the trick is you have to put one in in a certain spot uh, around the edge first, so it when you, when you push it in, it tips the coin up on its edge. I so remember you it. mentioning that on a previous yes, episode. Yes, I think I might have mentioned it before, yeah. Well, that that's it. Oh. Uh, not in those colours, not in those colours. It weren't green and purple, ah. but that's that's it. Yes, but didn't you often find with toys that even on the back of the box, the colours would actually not match what the final product was sometimes, so you never know. Colours and styles may vary, do you? Exactly. Now, and I had the one in the middle that's an elaborate purple frame that's lying flat there with, with a wiggly shape to it. I had a version of that in a in the the posh magic set that I was annoyed that my brother fiddled with before reading the instructions. Yes, don't touch them. Because what that was, and it worked much better in the magic set that we had because it was bigger, is you're supposed to hold that up and present it as if it's a pane of glass. And it's got a bit of frame in the middle, and you can stick any pencil right through it. And of course, the, the trick simply is that it's not. It's two separate panes of glass or hard plastic with a bit in the middle that just simply isn't. Um, <laughs> as, the, as the frame required to hold that up together, it, 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 this is a reduced in size 
can be put in a blind bag package version of that. It's mostly frame. There's hardly any glass at all. That trick simply isn't going to impress anybody. That pink rectangle in the front there too, yeah. with the little string dangling out of it. Yeah. I think we had that too in the same set as the huh? pin one, but I can't remember what it is. It's <laughs> just the shape of it. I'm remembering the feel of it, the look of it. I think it's something to do with um, their string sticking out of both ends, mm-hmm. and it's one of those ones where it looks like you know you pull it and yeah. oh yeah, it looks it looks like it's one piece of string. Yeah, but it's not. There's a whole system inside where you yeah. pull one end and doesn't the other end stays the same length. And I, th- I think that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, so, wow, a moment of excitement to be had there from this otherwise really crap-looking ad. <laughs> oh, and something you said there was interesting about how you had this set, but you but you don't know what set it was, you don't know who made it. Something I found interesting about this advert is it doesn't admit to who made it. Yeah, no mention of Bluebird here. No, it just says, it's just the in-my-pocket... Bre- well, I suppose it wouldn't be Bluebird, would it? It would be those or people... Or whoever who- it is now, uh, Vivid Imaginations. Yeah, yeah, Vivid. So it must be them if they've got in-my-pocket, but doesn't say so because it is the little in my pocket logo yeah there's a specific one from monster in my pocket and all that collect tricky dickies pocket sized tricks collect them all then swap with your friends and create your very own fantastical magical mischief Mm. tricky dicky being the mascot character here who is some kind of 90s dork <laughs> well, I mean, aren't he looks we like all? a dork, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but come on, we're cooler than this dude. Yeah, we are. He, he looks like well, he's got the look of a plug, hasn't he? He's got yeah. the big overbite of plug from the Beano, and he's got a wizard's hat on that covers his face to the extent that there are eye holes cut in the brim. Yeah, that's the original part of the design here, really. Uh, other than that, he's just a sort of magician with a, a waistcoat and a cape. And uh, he just looks like his clothes doesn't fit him. That's what's creating the sense of, of dorkitude. He couldn't even buy clothes that fit. I, I've been conditioned by the orcos of my life mm. to know that if, if the, the sleeves are too long life. and the clothes don't fit, they're going to be crap at magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that thing, that Sorcerer's Apprentice thing will happen where they try and do a twiddly yeah. fingers and the sleeves will flop over their twiddly fingers. And they got they got to pull the sleeves yeah. back, you know. Yeah, yeah, Eyes yeah. peeping out of the of the brim of the hat too. Well, Orko's just come out of yeah. the darkness under the hat. But the, he's very Orko coded, this fellow. More like Dorko. Oh, this is Dorko. Oh, See, sh- that's what he is. He does have this going for him though. He's got a little dog. Yeah, his name is the Great Spikeola. And for some reason, the Great Spikeola, he has a face mask on. Just to hide his identity, I suppose. Well, he's his glamorous assistant, I guess, but they haven't figured out how you dress up a dog that way. No, indeed. If it even is definitely a dog, no, it could be a cat. It looks... I mean, it's Jess, isn't it, more or less? Yeah, him, yeah. Without the white bits, I suppose. Uh, anyway, yeah, they invite you to play pocket tricks with your tricky dicky. So, I mean, <laughs> they really just... I mean, guys. Hit up. So this is a load of absolute oh shit. Oh my it? god! I and I think I used to talk shit about this <laughs> bad Nick pinups. I know this is categorically, without yep. argument, yep. I will brook none. The worst pinup yeah. that has ever been in Sonic the Comic. I turned the page and I immediately got up out of my chair and went to show Abby. That's how bad this is. It's... Look at the f-ing state of the one. And you know what's the worst part of it? Is that right there in the middle is the makings of a good one. Yes. So, we got a double page spread, as all pinups are. Big purple frame around it. 
Yeah. Says Dr. Robotnik across the bottom in the not, most... Not even the fancy metallic one they've been using recently. It's just literally, nope. ah, there you go. Just a straight purple with a white gradient slashed through it. Yeah. We just won't fill the page with these images, so we'll, we've got to have some kind of border. Yep. It's a pinup. <laughs> in the border at the bottom, it says Dr. Robotnik in the most off-the-shelf, yep. plain and ordinary font possible. Yep. Nothing cool or interesting there. It's not Times New Roman, but it might as well have been. <laughs> in the center is a green rectangle with another swirly metallic background yeah. done on the computer. Yeah. Can someone take <laughs> Gary Knight's computer off him? <laughs> What's he going to do then? <laughs> Paste it up the way we used to. <laughs> you might end up with a similar look if that was what we <laughs> God, it looks so... Anyway, and in the centre of this is the image of Robotnik angrily hoisting Grimer up by the tubes of his back. Oh, yeah, I don't think I noticed before that he was hoisting yeah. him up by his pipes. Woo. As drawn by Richard Elson a few issues ago. Yeah. Pulled right out of the Sonic strip. Great nice drawing. piece of art. Yeah. Then because that image is not by any stretch, whether there was a border or not, mm -hmm. the right shape mm. to fit a double-page spread, they've had to bung some stuff around it. Yeah. And what they have bunged around it is just pieces of Robotnik clip art that Gary Knight has flood-filled. Yeah. That just it found in a drawer. They... Appalling. It's, it's gross, this one. So, like, top left, they've got the Robotnik that I think was on the uh, box for the Christmas crackers. He's from, certainly from stuff from around then. We've seen this one on tattoos and transfers before. This is the one where yeah. Robotnik is pointing down, as if to say, bow peasant. Yeah, and this one's properly coloured. This one's painted. Yes, that one's fully, fully rendered, yes. Probably on a computer, but with an airbrush. It's looking fine. Clockwise, top right, is... Uh, these are all Adventures Robotnik. So this is Adventures yeah. Robotnik clip art in an egomatic... And it's the Egomatic from the first boss from Sonic 1. So it's got the swinging ball. Mm -hmm. But because it's got the swinging ball, that means it's quite a vertical image. So this has had to be shrunk down to like barely visible size. There's no need for it to be so shrunk. There's no. so much room that they could have yeah. printed that at full size. It still wouldn't look good. No. It still wouldn't look even close to acceptable. But it would look better. But it is really tiny for some reason. It is embarrassing. So that's that. Below that is the one we've seen of Robotnik several times where he's scratching his head and looking out at the audience in confusion. They haven't coloured it right. His nose is the same flesh tone yeah. as the rest of his face, so, you know. And this one, if anything, is blown up too big, so it looks really, really blobby. Yeah. And then take us home, Dave. Take us home. But, bottom left, which we deliberately left till last, this is just not acceptable. What it looks like is one of those random cells that you see for sale on eBay from Adventures because it's Robotnik shouting while facing completely to the side. It's an exactly dead-on, side-on view of Robotnik, yeah. which is problematic at the best of times because you have to figure out how to draw parts of him that aren't designed to be drawn from that angle. And this, oh, everything's wrong. Um, well, I mean, that's that's the point of this image because this is an image right out of the style guide. This is showing you what Robotnik looks is it like really? from the side. Well, it yeah, flipping yeah. shouldn't be. All these images are right out of the style guide. Sure, but it shouldn't be because... So this has his moustache originating halfway down his nose. Wrong. You know, actually coming out of his actual... The side of his nose itself, not from underneath it. Yeah. His yeah. mouth is just drawn really badly. His eye looks weird. It, it really highlights the fact that he hasn't got an ear. His head looks wrong. Everything, this is a bad drawing. And what just yep. compounds it is that it's meant to be just a head and shoulders shot. Yeah. But that's awkward to draw from the side of Dr. Robotnik. So it's just got this curve of body that the head is kind of poking out of. And that's not well, been coloured in. Well, as I say, that's why it's a 
that's why it's just a reference shot because it's just showing you the head. It's yeah. not. It's not worried about showing you the body. No. Reveal, so they've just got the curve of where the body's meant to Would go. Would be. And, yeah, and it's but then not the, the in, so... of because Gary Knight's just flood filled yeah. in the head. Yeah, there's no. You, you this is an unclosed fill in the body because there's no yeah. fully enclosed outline. So it's just some. Oh Jesus! This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> this issue's not going well. And black on dark green, so you can barely see it. It says art by Richard Elson, but because only the middle bit is art by Richard Elson, they've had to credit that right up in Robotnik's crotch. They've had to really tuck yeah. that in there. Tucked in the gusset just neatly. Yeah. And then it also says under the headshot one, presented with STC. And I feel like in the grand sweep of history, neither Richard Elson nor STC would have liked their names to be on this page. <laughs> you know, just so they could be distanced from this crime. This is bad. God, it's awful. And it's normally at this point that I'll make some kind of joke about how, oh, this is terrible, but do you know what's worse? <laughs> and then we'll go over to the diary zone. But there's simply no way it can possibly be any worse than this pinup. So what have you got, Dave? <laughs> diary zone. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. Part of why we started this podcast was because most coverage of our favourite comic that we could find online was done like an archaeological dig, just people from a later era guessing at what it was like in the 90s and usually being wrong. So in this part of the podcast, we make the past into a real place for you by checking the dates the issue came out and turning to the corresponding entries in my real life. 1998 now, Ugh. Teenage Diary to find out what was happening at the time. Now, I'm going to skim over the first couple of entries because they're just reiterating that a new obsession is coming around this fortnight because I'm getting... Oh, dear. I'm getting really into writing right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's a reasonable thing to be obsessed with. I thought you were going to tell me it was going to be like the snorks or something <laughs> no i'm looking into growing up perhaps and i'm trying my hand at a bit of writing but we were having that conversation last issue about how i knew it couldn't be something new yeah because you're pretending to put childish things aside yeah. and refusing to engage with any new cartoons or kids tv programs i'm not buying anything. any magic in my pocket but you are still clinging yeah. to things from your childhood yeah so, on Saturday the 31st, for example, me and Abby officially decide, that's a quote, officially decide, put the stamp on it, to do our Mobius series of graphic novels in order. So that means no cheating and jumping straight to Sonic 3 and Knuckles. No, we're doing the prehistory called Legends of Mobius first. Bad decision. Didn't do it, ultimately. Uh, on Sunday the 1st of February, I make a conscious decision to do more of my novelization of The Fury. Very serious approach being taken to this. Mm. And as it happens, Nigel sends over four scripts from that story. So I start going through what I've already written, uh, correcting the bits the editor changed. Yeah. So I'm getting all... Restoring uh, it the director's cut version of The Fury with its original title. Ugh. That's it. Despecialized edition, yeah. And then on Monday the 2nd, I'm reading back over what I've written for both things. So writing's my current thing. And on Tuesday the 3rd, I make a decision. And I write, decided that for my birthday, it would be cool to have electronic typewriter stroke Ooh. word processor hey catching up to me yeah, that's right exactly i had an electronic typewriter he did with a and i've put with a properish screen that is a question what did what did you have on there by way of screen what well an electronic typewriter didn't have a screen it typed on paper straight onto it so it's a it's yeah, a, yeah right because what i'm thinking is at this point my nana's got one you see and it's oh, so you mean a word processor mm. a thing just dedicated now we did have one of those Oh, you know what? what? Must have been this year, in fact. 
which my dad hauled out of his office, which was proper vintage stuff. Yeah. Orange digits on black oh, screen. Yes. You know, Ooh. because I had to, for school, type something, mm. word process a, a document. Mm-hmm. And we did not have a computer. So daddy hauled this out of his office. Yeah, that must have been this year. And now that I think about it, that must have contributed to the decision to get a computer at Christmas 1998. And it was on that word processor uh-huh. that I wrote the Sonic fan fiction hey. that I talk about sometimes about having been lost to the yeah. ages forever about how Robotnik pretended to be Sally's dead dad or something. That was a good one, yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it's a good story. It's a good like You don't know that. Well, I haven't read it, but the, yeah. the premise was good. The synopsis was good. And this was the thing about this word processor was mm-hmm. if you didn't close the document, you could have multiple documents on it. Uh, but if you didn't close the document before you turned it off, boof, gone. Mm. I did that one time. Mm. I flicked the power switch off at the side because this and it, it had a proper light switch type power switch on the side. You just click, yeah, and then turn it off. And if yeah. you turned it off with the document open, that document was gone. Oh, you can't do that. I did though. And I guess not having a computer yet, you didn't already have that in your past from. Oh yeah, but mentally being programmed yeah, to yeah, go through the shutdown safe. procedure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I will say. If you're in 1998 and there's no family computer in the house, that's obstinate at this point. That is a decision being made by someone like, nope, not in this house. We're not having any of those beep beep boxes. It didn't feel that way. Well, because we're through... Windows 95 was the moment when everyone finally got a computer. And it's 1998. Yeah, what can I tell you? It didn't feel that way. Yeah. Up until we were told we had to word process this thing. Exactly. But I, but, but, but. I had the exact same thing in my life. I'm sure we've covered it before on the podcast where, like, we were an Amiga family until at school it was like, open Microsoft Excel. This is your homework. And we're like, well, we're going to have to get a computer then. And that's why we had a PC. Because we had to for school. So why do you feel you want a word processor or an electronic typewriter when you have a computer? It's a good question, isn't it? Let's see if I say. Um, because, well, I'm inspired by the fact that my nana's got one. And hers had a little strip of a screen. Just an LCD strip. Just green LCD. Very Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So I've put here, I want a electronic typewriter stroke word processor with a proper-ish screen. So I want a slightly better screen than nana's. Mm-hmm. And page layout, etc. Don't mm-hmm. know what I mean by that. I could really use that. If I had it on my desk... I could type up some scripts while listening simultaneously to music. That's, well, there you go. That's your reason then. You want something to type on in your room. I want to be private. I don't want to be sitting on the family computer. Because I remember, I mean, not that, not that it'll be uh, uh, internet enabled or anything. That's no. why you haven't just asked for your own computer. Mm. But but yes, because I remember your, your family computer is downstairs in front of everybody. Well, I mean, the reason I haven't asked for my own computer is no way, obviously. That's why. Sure. Yeah, there's no way that's happening. So this is a halfway house. This is like having a computer. I could have this, I could write, and I could be a writer, and I could be like, typey, typey, zut. Ding! And I'll just say that out loud, you know? Um, <laughs> that was the one thing I always felt like I was missing out on with an electronic typewriter. <laughs> it was like when the cartoons showed you go, ding! Yeah. But the electronic one did it automatically when you hit return, so it went. <laughs> so as you're. I'm, I'm trying to picture this. As you're writing, the letters are coming out in real time, but there's no hammers. Simply a ma- well, yeah, there's hammers. It's just the key. Well, what's electric, electronic? Then? Because it's. It's electronically powered. It has to be plugged in and For turned what? on. Because when, because the keyboard is, when you push the keyboard, mm-hmm. it sends the signal that does the typing. You're not literally pushing the lever 
of a key that then makes the hammer stamp down on the paper. Ah, uh, so the benefit is you can type less hard, basically. Yes, you don't have to beat the life out of the keyboard, yes. Yeah. And you don't have to manually reset the thing. Yeah, but in a real typewriter, the keys, they're built for that. It, it... Well, yeah, but my tiny little child's hands wouldn't have been able to, you know? No, you did have to hammer them quite hard, actually, yeah. And also, re remember, this is not 1998 we're talking about. This is like... 1993 or earlier we could yeah. even we could even be into the late 80s when i had that yeah no i'm not criticizing your choice of electronic typewriter I'm no but i feel like you're criticizing the machine and i won't have it it's like <laughs> well you'll just describe it it's like if you got a real typewriter and put it on the desk and then plugged it in it's like, it was like, yes it's an it's an electric typewriter <laughs> yes yeah. What you're asking when you're when you say electronic typewriter, what you're obviously asking for is a word processor. It's a word processor. It's just yes. that the mechanism of see to me there is you didn't see a distinction between those two things, but because yeah. I had yeah, an yeah, electric yeah. typewriter, I do see a distinction between. I, them. Yes, I, I I hadn't heard of a thing like that. It, it's because it's because of the mechanism of a typewriter. The cle what's clever about it is that it means there's no power required. It doesn't need to be powered by anything. Yes, but that's because it came around before we had that power. And the mechanism translates pressing the buttons into the hammers yeah i'm just surprised by the hammers being there i thought what you were going to say is that as you type it's there's a little chip in there and it's going there's like a like a dot, dot matrix, matrix printer, printer is doing going, letter yeah. in no doing a letter at a time yeah no yeah. still had to put tape in and everything you know why what's the point then that's it just a really expensive typewriter then <laughs> to remove the manual aspect yes. of it yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. The physical labour of actually using a typewriter. Don't get me wrong. I'd have found it fun and I'd have enjoyed having one. Yes, you would have. Sure. I know you would have. There's a certain joy to the hammering, though, I will say. <laughs> I don't think I could... I, you know, never having used one of those, yeah, I yeah. genuinely don't think I could now even... Yeah, uh, uh, well, yeah, I wonder if I could now. Although, I, I mean, I assume they're built in such a way that they're comfortable to use. After 20 years of using a computer keyboard, I just oh, wouldn't no. be able to... I just wouldn't. It would, be, it would be a full mental retrain yeah, yeah. to use it. Yeah, you're probably right there. But uh, one thing I want to do with this typewriter is listen to music or the Keeney show. Do you remember the Keeney show? The late night uh, phone-in I've been listening to and yes, getting obsessed with. Uh, I'm getting obsessed with it. So that's the new one. That's another new obsession. This I want a word processor and I want to listen to Mark Keen. This is still Tuesday the 3rd. And what I do that night is I unplug all but one of the speakers of my stereo, my yeah, new yeah, hi-fi for Christmas. Christmas. It's a surround speaker, because it had these actual surround speakers. And I, it's got such a long cable, because it's a surround speaker, that I'm able to bring it up and into the bed, and I put it next to my pillow, and I very quietly listen to this phone-in as I sleep. So I've got the radio on all night, just down to playing on one, because I've got my little remote. If, if I hear mum approaching on the creaky floorboard, I can turn it off, because I shouldn't be listening to the radio in the middle of the night at three in the morning. I wonder if I even put a timer on to make it turn off at some point or something. I don't know. Well, anyway, Wednesday the 4th. Typey thing! I want one! <laughs> Mark Keane's middle name is... <laughs> Thursday the 5th. Mark Keane... He's my best friend and we go on adventures together. Mark Keane is a Star Trek fan. In Dreamland. Mark Keane went to... <laughs> primary school. Trivia... And it's incredibly clear to me that this trivia was read out on the Mark Keane show. Mm -hmm. And it's nonsense. Trivia, there are 500 different shades of grey between black and white. <laughs> what is that? What? According to what? According to the Mark Keane show. Exactly. Surely that is an analogue spectrum. 
and you've arbitrarily divided it up into 500 and said it's 500. It'll be according to Pantone or someone, won't it? Yeah. Or Dulux, someone like that. Uh, then uh, a sudden shift in tone here as uh, it says, World Wab. Wab? Oh, how very silly. Try again. World War Three <laughs> has been threatened. Oh, goodness gracious. The US... We've got a bit, a bit of current events. Uh, the US is moving troops into Iraq. Saddam has weaponry powerful enough to destroy the world. Well, actually, what I've written is weaponry powerful enough to destroy the word twice. I've misspelled that as the word. And so then there's a small biro comment here, apparently written some years later, that says, and where would we be without the word twice? <laughs> Yeltsin has said that sending in the troops could trigger a world war. We might die tomorrow. All of us. Please don't let that happen. God. There is so much I have to do. Really confronting your mortality here. I remember I remember going to school and quaking in my little boots the next day. So yeah, well this, no no no. We have talked on the show before about what's the first big yeah. like world news event you remember really living through, you know. And I've talked about how for me it was the Gulf War. I remember mm. the Gulf War. Sounds like this was yours. I think so. I mean, Diana happened, but you don't... That didn't... You do remember it, but... Yeah, I do remember that. It didn't affect you. That's a niche world event, isn't it? Like, it is a world event. Well, it was pretty big. It was big, but I don't know. Maybe I'm categorizing kinds of world event and one person dying... War and other. Yeah, a person dying is one thing. World War Three is another thing. For all I know, he could be launching it right now. This is where listening to the radio gets you. <laughs> I know. Hearing the news. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? I've heard the news report. Yeah. And then I say, but this got me thinking. In another world war, not a nuclear war, so just an, a normal world war where you, where you live through it, what would life be like? Would they cut off the electricity? Would they ration it? Would I be able to get, get on, on the, the internet? internet is the coded phrase of that, yeah. Yeah. That's as far as I get with that thought, but that is very much what I'm thinking. And then, but I end on a couple of pleasant notes. Uh, Zib. Do you remember Zib? I remember Zib. Zib and Sticky, the old comic I drew on holiday. Zib. Spent all my time from getting in, after playing Mario 64, redesigning the characters from Zib. Drew loads more of the new Zib. A Zib jumping and going yippee, which is lovely. A Zib puking up the inside of his own head, etc, etc. <laughs> like the skull come out? Doesn't say. Doesn't specify. <laughs> yeah, I think the skull came out. One kitty threw up his own pelvis bone. <laughs> uh, Saturday the 7th, in chat, I told Abby about my troubles. Your troubles with... <laughs> my troubles with the war? I don't know. Just the troubles that I have with my life. I'm probably talking about anyone I don't like at school. I'm, pro- I'm just talking about my troubles. Monday the 9th, off school. Nigel sent me a synopsis of the history of the echidnas. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Oh, where's that? Indeed. I, I mean, that, that could be a real historical document of value. Like, if that's really Nigel could. telling the story what he thought about for the echidnas that never made it to the page. Yeah, but I haven't found it anywhere. Terrible. Where's that gone? What was that? Tragic. I know. I mean, look, I'll keep looking. And if anything turns up, then yeah. But no, I don't know where that is. I don't seem to have it saved. So Nigel sent me... Here's a clue as to where I might find it. Nigel sent me a synopsis of the history of the kidneys. Great! It's in his email titled, Re... Sorry to write so much. (laughs) 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 So I have been relentlessly emailing Nigel ever since I've got his email address. 
Um, Tuesday the 10th phoned Abby to tell her about the Echidna story from Nigel. Either she was very impressed and excited that he would send it to me, or she was being tickled to death. Haha, <laughs> her dad has a really fast-accented voice. I can understand what he says, but it is cool. Abby does have the Welsh accent too. By the way, here's Abby's phone number. In years to come, if you've not been in touch with her for a while, drop what you're doing and phone her up now. She's your best friend. Aww. That's nice, isn't it? Aww. Aww. Reader, he married <laughs> Recipe for Disaster. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Bob Corona. Bob Corona. Colours by Steve White and letters by Tom Frame. Tales is guest starring on TV chef Galloping Graham's show when a chocolate pudding swells up to an enormous degree and almost crushes the whole studio audience. It soon becomes clear that Graham's not the only TV chef who's had their show sabotaged. Top chef Jerry Corfu is out to take all his rivals down to make sure he stays number one. When Tails confronts him, Corfu tries to drown the fox in a giant trifle, but with a quick spin of his tails, our hero bursts free and ensures Corfu gets his just desserts. Nah. So. Nah, this isn't this is a bad one. This is a parody of actual TV chefs that were yep. on telly at the time. The, in, it doesn't even feel like an STC strip. Tails is here out of a sense of some obligation that Tails should be in the strip with his name on it. Otherwise, it is just going, here are some TV chefs, and going, aren't there a lot of TV chef programs on today? No, 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 bad. Now, he wasn't wrong about aren't there a lot of TV chef shows on. that. This was the blossoming genre of TV at the time, and we were, I think we were about eight years away from them becoming so ubiquitous that they literally cancelled children's television on Saturday mornings to replace them with Anthony Worrell Thompson, who I believe is pictured here. I think he's on, on the bottom of page three in the middle. Yep, that's him, all right. Yeah. Um, so these are real ones, or at least some of them are. I genuinely didn't even look that closely at any of them because I, I, I was so affronted by the premise of the strip it's just this is not our wheelhouse it might as well be footballers might it yeah it might as well be yeah but it's not no no it's not it's not just that you or i don't particularly care about tv cookery programs it's that what the hell is this doing in sonic the hedgehog <laughs> yeah uh, the only other ones i recognize as real ones i don't know if this main one this horse one is based on anybody yeah the galloping galloping graham is the galloping gourmet graham oh, kerr the galloping thank gourmet you. From oh. the 70s. Really? Yes. No wonder I didn't flip it. How did you recognize that? I, I mean, I know the Galloping Gourmet just as a name, but oh. I like I went and looked up when he had his TV show, yeah. which ran from 1968 to <laughs> 1972. Why have I Come never on, heard of no. him? I've heard of Fanny Come Craddock. on. I've not heard of this. Two fat ladies here represented as... Two, two skinny llamas. llamas. And then the main one is this Jerry... What's his name? Gary... What's his name? He had the hair sticking up. He looked like this. Gary Rhodes. Yeah. Because Rhodes. Rhodes and Corfu are both Greek islands. Oh, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah don't, don't smile. Oh, it's not... I can't help it. ...deserving of a smile. I can't help it. There's a bit of me, you know, that does appreciate this stuff. Yeah, but that's... That's Peter Android levels of, you know... Graham Kerr, the galloping gourmet, just get turns into galloping Graham. And he's a horse, which yes. is almost enough to make it worthwhile. Because Mobius, because they're animal yeah, people. They're, yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's... Well, solely... they're notionally animal people. Yeah. There's nothing about 
Gary Rhodes that's not just a drawing of Gary Rhodes. He hasn't even got a little black nose, nothing. Well, he's got, no, he's got a goofy nose. Yeah, but not a coloured in one. It's not, it's not black, it's the same colour as the rest of his face, but yeah. And look at the, look at that couple watching the television in the first panel. They're just people. Yeah. Readers, listeners, boomers, that Just Desserts joke wasn't even in the strip. <laughs> I did that in the synopsis. What this is most missing is a way for it to be like... Sonic. A way for it to be anything to do with Sonic whatsoever. For it to be Robotnik's cookery channel or something like this. For yeah. there to be some nefarious scheme. It's literally Tails is here and everything else is in fact just the people of the world watch cookery shows. It's a Beano strip. Mm. Genuinely, it's like if Dennis the Menace met flipping Ainsley Harriet. Yeah, which I, do, I don't for a moment doubt he has. At some point, yeah. <laughs> There's, but I, now, I do, now, I do appreciate Tails having been dropped, presumed to drown inside a vat of trifle, using his tails to stir that up. That's yes, a Tails bit. Because it's a Tails thing, yeah. I also enjoyed, I thought it opened strongly uh, on a joke about Cookside, which was a soap opera about loads of cooks living in a cul-de-sac. Cookside. Yeah. Grand. And I, I do like Corona's drawing of the couple just mm. lying sort of over each other on the sofa. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's nice. Just draped. It's the draped and, kind. And uh, I can't prove. You see that? We see the soles of the bloke's feet as he reads the TV guide. And one of his shoes has an R oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But the other foot is covered by a speech bubble. But I'll bet it's got a C on it. I'll bet it's RC for Roberto Corona. Oh, I was thinking, is it Robotnik or Reebok? But you're right. It will be. <laughs> There's not even any reason Tails is on this TV program. Yeah, he's just on like, it. What's that no, all about? There's no care given to making this even a Tails story, to making this fit. Stringer just wanted to do a strip making fun of TV cookery programs. And, and that they often have a celebrity guest for no reason, yeah. Yeah. Now, you've described this as a Beano strip, and it takes a comic like STC that brings in people like Lou Stringer with the things he's interested in for me to realise how much the Beano-style British gag strip comics and Lou's other interests, classic cape comics, actually have in common. It's the casual dropping of a character into a weird, unique situation and then going, ah, oh, but you forgot, this character has this gimmick and they're going to use it on this. So Tails goes in the vat... Ah, oh, but you forgot, he can spin his tail. Uh, drop, I don't know, a Marvel character into a situation... The, the old ones, I mean, where it's like, well, now I'm doing this. I was going to say, because I feel like what you're describing there is the 60s Batman TV show. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I'm also thinking of, like, the old, the actual old Lee and Kirby stuff, where it's like, check it out, I'm, I'm a baddie based on this. Oh, well, you forget, I can make fire come out of me. Oh, no. It's that sort of thing. It's like, here's the situation... Here's what I do. Listen, don't you worry now. If 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 Stanley ever wrote a story where a villain had f no no the villain would have carefully lined their clothing with asbestos. Do you know <laughs> how often asbestos comes up in early Fantastic Four stories? Not a joke. Oh my god! Everybody, and it's always just in little off-handed dialogue balloons to the side where the artist drew Johnny throwing fire at somebody and the story not really accounting for why they haven't died horribly. Oh yeah, because they, they and Lee it, filling in in the dialogue about how this is all they're wearing clothes that have been specially treated with asbestos because they used to work on endomobius rules, didn't they? Here, do something with that. Oh yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. My my entry point for this because what we're talking about is in our lifetimes asbestos has meant cancer thing but before that it meant 
fireproof thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I remember one of the Valiant Mario comics. Uh, there was a volcano, and it said, I hope you wear asbestos pajamas. Sounds about right. Anyway, that is trip the end. Yeah, the, the ending joke is that they call Jerry's plans mm-hmm. for TV domination. TV domination, you understand here. Not even world domination. He just wants to take the other guys off tally. Are half-baked. And Tails, having just escaped the giant trifle, says that stopping those plans were... A mere trifle. Next issue, decap attack. Thank Christ. Catch the love bug. <laughs> I guess it's a Valentine's story oh next my issue. Word. Yeah. Oh, that's where we are in the year already, yeah. Yeah, it's February. Next issue. Like, just not a good one. But not not in a crafty sort of way. Mm. Not Like, the craft of it is fine. Oh, like, yeah. as a story, yeah. it's, it's more like that Bananas one than anything. This is something that's wandered in from somewhere else that Tails is just sort of standing in the background of. Oh, well... I know we've we've been feeling better the last while now. Mm. This one did kind of put the fear in me again. <laughs> I don't need any more tale stories if this is all they're going to be. Because it is so apparent at this point that they've nothing for tales anymore. Like, Amy and Techno have turned into the Sonic's world strip where the other Sonic characters, Sonic world stuff happens in. There doesn't need to be a tail strip because there is nothing unique to do with that character anymore that can't be done in a Sonic's World strip or something. And this, to me, is, is just the most illustrative strip yet that there's nothing left here. Graphic Zone! Is actually called Graphic Zone, this issue. Yes. Rare. Yes, we sort of forgot to note this back when the new look for the comic was introduced an issue or two ago. They've created a computer-generated logo for the Graphic Zone Mm. now, so they're always going to use (laughs) that. And they just put a little caption below that to say what the theme of the issue is, rather than renaming the Graphic Zone randomly every time it shows up, which is a much better way of doing things. It is. I mean, it's it's slightly less fun, admittedly. But uh, yes, I don't know why they've been doing bespoke names for every Graphic Zone up till here. But uh, yeah, this one's Snack Attack is the subtitle on this one. So... Food is the thing. It's all food. And given the many weird and dangerous and funny and strange and off-putting things that children have drawn yeah. Sonic as or doing over the many years, it's kind of amazing that they couldn't even get six pictures that were all <laughs> definitely 100% committed to the notion of food, doesn't it? I know. Well, the first picture, anyway, from Lucy Harrison is, I think, deceptively brilliant because it looks like a child drew just a mad shape without really exercising much artistic skill put Sonic's face on the middle of it and his arms and legs coming out the side. And yet, did not we all recognise this giant abstract shape as a slice of toast? Including the caption here, Sonic goes crusty. I have to be honest, I don't think I would have necessarily reached that conclusion had the caption not already led me into... I did. I saw it from a further distance than I could read that and it looked just like, there's Sonic as a slice of toast, Sonic goes crusty, well done, Lucy Harrison. Uh, but you did know going in that it was a food-themed food. graphic yes. zone, so would you have made the connection? Who knows? It is truly <laughs> Sonic the Coke Bottle too. It oh, is yeah. incomprehensible nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lucy, sort your shit out. <laughs> like, to the right here, Christopher Wagg from Dunfermline and Fife, Scotland, has drawn Robotnik as an egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously. I guess he's an egg. It's just an egg with Robotnik's face and moustache on. Yeah, and egghead written across the... Yeah, Because it's not just an egg with his face, it's also got the, a bit of his body on, it's got the adventures cross thing. Painted up to look like a little Easter egg guy. Yeah, 
Glenlark being Swanley Kent. The caption is Sushi Sonic, and it's Sonic sad and wet. Well, I see. He's just got out of some water, so he's got a fish in his mouth that he's about to spit out. That's what it this is. This is copied from a Garfield, surely. It must be, mustn't it? I mean, well, yes. where, well, would Garfield be sad if he had a fish in his mouth? He wouldn't look happy. He's a cat. Yeah, but he, Garfield doesn't eat fish. What the hell are you talking about? What on God's earth, David Bowler, <laughs> are you talking about? I know that he's a different breed of cat. I know that he eats lasagna, right? Don't get me wrong, I know that. But wouldn't he eat a fish? He a is raw a cat. fish plucked from the dirty river. <laughs> Garfield would want that thing fried and stuffed yeah. with something. Yeah, okay. Truffle butter. See, I think that would be a good ga- well, that would be a gag that Garfield could have. Someone gives him a fish and he says, "What? Not cooked and prepared, what blah am blah I blah." Supposed to do with this? But just in a a single panel gag, a cat with a fish in its mouth looking sad, that doesn't work. I don't know if it's a Garfield. It's copied from somewhere. Might not be a Garfield. Yeah, we've kind of gone off and wandered <laughs> off down a Garfield path. Oh, wait, here. yeah. It's 100% copied we've from something. We've both forgotten that it's not necessarily Garfield that every child copies. No, no, I hadn't forgotten that. It's I just had. it really has big Garfield vibes. I Basically, <laughs> I definitely know the original image this is copied from. Oh. There's something about that fish sticking out of the mouth there. It's it's I know I know what it is, but I don't yeah. I can't bring it to mind, but I definitely know what the image is. It's when you've just clambered out of having fallen into some water. Now Sonic yeah. had the foresight to wear some flippers, which oh I like that actually. He's got flippers of his shoes. That's good. And yes, some those trunks. Are good. He's wearing some trunks, too. He's got some swimming Sega trunks. trunks. Yes, it says Sega on one side, and on the other side is what I think is a swimming badge. The, you know one of the swimming sew-on patches that you get when you do enough lengths or whatever? Well, I never got any, but uh, oh. I'll take your word for it. Oh, yeah, you do. Your mum has to sew them on. Onto your trunks. Well, you have to do some more lengths, Chris. I did plenty of swimming. I was a good <laughs> swimmer. I just didn't... I, I guess I never attended the sort of the lessons, sort of lessons felt yeah. the need to reward children for getting in the water and loving it because i loved getting in the water and swimming i didn't i didn't feel the need to have a reward placed at the end of it to convince me to do it mave rafferty in newry county down northern ireland has drawn tails just wanting some food i get looking really copied from something he's got a knife and fork in his hands he's saying slurp other than that he's tails yep and there's definitely more to the image that we're not that's been cut off that we're not seeing oh of course there'll be a slap up meal won't there he's looking at some food obviously probably a big pile of bangers and mash bangers and mash yeah uh, Miss R. Smith from mm. Knowsley and Prescott has also copied a picture yes and it's also half this of it been cut off now this one's cropped yeah What's even going it's, on? It's uh, Sonic holding a box of chocolates behind his back. Yeah. And he's clearly going to knock on a door or something. Yeah, they're for somebody. Yeah, but whoever they're for, it's been cut off. Also, this is the second draft of this drawing. There's a whole other penciled Sonic underneath this. Mm-hmm. My mind tends to go one of two places whenever Sonic's wooing anybody, and <laughs> surprisingly, it's never Amy. I always assume it's either going to be Sally Acorn or a drawing of the person who drew the drawing. Yeah, yes, and we we haven't had any of those before, but have they cut them off every time is the question. <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? Uh, finally, Megadroid absolutely bodies artist John Nutt from Peterborough, <laughs> Cambridgeshire. <laughs> so what, what this is a drawing of 
is Sonic in a classic Cave of Wonders. He is uh, walking up a... Oh my god, it is. I didn't even get it. Did you not? No. He's walking up a set of rock steps into which... And these are jewel-encrusted steps. Now, they're encrusted with super emeralds, but whatever. See, that was it. All I was seeing was the super emeralds, you know? And on top of this is a magic lamp, which Sonic is gripping the handle of and rubbing with his other hand as he approaches the top of the steps. And there's some little wisps coming out of the Because there's going to be a genie come out of there. Yeah. But it's... Look... There is a thin line that as a child you have to tread when you're trying to draw a magic lamp because get the proportions wrong and what you've drawn is a teapot. And that is what Editorial has decided this is a drawing of to fit it in with the food theme. Sonic to a T. T They've captioned it. I genuinely just thought it was a teapot and he was coming to have some tea with Knuckles. I genuinely (laughs) Oh, he's gone around Knuckles' house. I did not even realise it was was a magic lamp in a cave. Oh, wow. Oof. And they all, all of those, as usual, win a worse watch than the one advertised after the drawings because you're supposed to buy that one, win this one. (laughs) Yes, you win the digital watch and uh, you can buy. Is this new? I th- no, we've seen it before, I think. Okay. But it's an exclusive to STC readers. You can buy a good quartz analogue watch that has a good 90s aesthetic to it. Not quite full-on Yikes pencils, but second too. And uh, and it's got the Sonic 1 cover drawing on. Uh, as- Do you remember digital watches? Yeah. Digital <laughs> watches. We all had them. I am sure I must have at some point. Of course you did. I, I, I've no, I've no burned-in memory of ever owning one. Well, the two... Key ones that you wanted were the one with the calculator. Nah. Everyone had that. I had that one. No, I didn't have that one. That was too much bother. They had little rubber, tiny little rubber buttons sticking out, and you would just, in maths lesson, surreptitiously, oh, what time is it? Oh, and you're doing sums on your watch. Absolutely brilliant. And of course, you could use them to input numbers for setting an alarm and so on. But the best one, the best watch anyone ever invented, who I only ever met one child with, and yes, it worked in the classroom was the one that was also a television remote control. Good lord, I've never heard of such a thing. There you are in the class, the teacher is trying to put on an episode of something educational, and Ryan at the back of the class can pause the video, he can rewind the video, he can stop the entire- On a watch! Root of All Evil, Part 1, written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Gordon Robson. After catching up with their old pal, Johnny Lightfoot, on a video phone call, Sonic, Amy, and Techno head to the Metropolis Zone to investigate reports of giant weeds erupting from the ground and threatening to engulf the whole city. The work of the Doom Seed planted beneath the zone by Robotnik's mysterious new minion, Agent X. Now, this one goes by quickly. Mm, it does. So again, it's difficult for me to come up with very much to say about it. We spend a little bit too much time with Gilbert Grumpy, Turtle Bastard. Turtle <laughs> Power! From the Metropolis Zone, who doesn't Gilbert give- Grumpy, Turtle Bastard! <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to give kids back their ball that's come into his garden. Yeah, one of the kids is Rango. 
Uh, he is very rangoey, isn't he? And that's just something to set up for his garden to then erupt in weeds. Yeah. And for Sonic to come in and save him. This is a... I, I like this as a Robotnik plan. Why hasn't he thought of this before? To use nature to wreck their stuff. Especially since they do... The, these environmentalist animal people do live in modern cities and towns and stuff. So there is infrastructure to break. To wreck. Well, he would never have done it before. Because he'd have been wrecking his own sh- Oh, I suppose so. Yes, he was in charge of it all. Yes, quite. He was in charge, yeah. He hasn't had that long since he's been deposed. It's only been 21 issues yeah. thereabouts. Um, Amy and Techno are in this. Why is this a double Sonic and not a Techno and Amy Sonic's world strip? I don't know. I guess because Sonic's in it. The answer is sort of because Sonic's in it. But what's the distinction, really? He's he's no more the main character than Amy and Techno are. No. Sonic is in this to a lesser extent than Short Fuse was in that last two-parter that was all about Short Fuse that was otherwise branded as an Amy and Techno story. Yes, definitely. Well, I guess... If you have Sonic in it as a as a main character, that just automatically makes it a double Sonic. There. That has got to be the, yeah. the way of thinking. I would wager when Stringer wrote this, he was just writing the next one of whatever, yeah. and it was like a, a decision above his head that decided to brand it a double Sonic. Because otherwise, it is slightly unusual that the only other people in it, and specifically the people in it, are, are Amy and Techno. Techno. Yeah. Why them? Could be anybody. Yeah. We even check in with Johnny Lightfoot. For a whole first page. By the way, because of the uh, two skinny llamas in the previous one, I mm-hmm. I went and looked up an episode of Two Fat Ladies because I never watched it. Yeah, and it's quite an Amy and Techno format. They <laughs> they go to they go to situations and they make wry comments to each other, often dubbing them over afterwards. And uh, <laughs> I, I, there may be an influence there. I'm not sure. Uh, Carl Flint's art gets a little bit of a bump thanks to the John M. Burns coloring, I think, because he's yeah. been delivering some very uninspired looking strips lately. But Burns's coloring adds a little zest to it but uh, at the same time that panel there of the vine grabbing a kid's granddad and it's the same thing we were just talking about with corona as just a bloke with a nose and ears yeah absolutely yeah like when he when he can draw this turtle guy who's just a turtle yeah or a tortoise perhaps whatever he is yeah, yeah. Uh, and rango on the pig and then draw this guy i mean to the point that i would almost think that that's a caricature of somebody carl flint knows that it's so out of place with everything else yeah i yeah that yeah it does look like that i wonder what's going on there why is he going around barefoot Ugh, Ugh. sonic doesn't do that well yeah why okay it's gotta be then hasn't it he knows someone yeah. who goes around barefoot it what honestly what cements it is the fact that this is the whole description of this character is granddad Mm-hmm. And he's still got his original hair colour. <laughs> he's got great temples. He has. But why would you draw a granddad without making him like... He doesn't look like a granddad. A full-on old granddad. This is just a middle-aged yeah. man. He has got a walking stick. You have to give him that. He's got a walking stick, but he's not holding it. It's been grabbed by a weed. And it's a nice final panel, too, of the weeds just engulfing everything, including the panel borders. That's a nice panel. That is nice, yeah. Yeah. Next issue, Gone to Seed. That I like that. That's good. That's a good little gag. You know, uh, any laughs to be had are really from Gilbert Grumpy when the ball goes in the garden and he says, not after the damage your ball caused, you can't have it back, but it only landed on your lawn. Yeah, and it dented 32 blades of grass. You know how I like everything perfect? I've got the neatest garden in the Metropolis Zone. Just last week, I won the Weedless Patio Trophy from Popular Compost Magazine. Oh, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's not funny at all. <laughs> that's how low on laughs this whole issue is that i remembered that as amusing and then i read it again and no it wasn't it's amusing in the sense that there would be a popular compost magazine there's enough compost that's popular enough that there's a magazine for it i find that funny 
Um, there's a good caption where Techno tells Sonic, there's a report coming in of a giant weed in the metro. And then Sonic goes, on my way. And then the next caption is, faster than a budgie can blink. And Sonic's in the Metropolis Zone. Well, and also Tom Frame ushers in a new era here as he adds speed lines to the letters in Sonic's speech balloon. Yeah. That's never been broached before. We're another level up now. Listen, right, the thing is, uh, I know something about this that I can't say because it's a spoiler. Oh! There's points I want to raise. Okay. But by raising them, I know I will only be drawing attention to something and I need to see how the second part of this shakes out before I can. Uh, The most I can really say now is that Agent X isn't some off-handed excuse for this plot to happen. This is the next addition to the Looniverse. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agent X is a recurring character for a while now as Robotnik's new minion to enact his schemes on the mainland while he's on Flicky Island in in Sonic's world, Amy and Techno. Yeah. I'll also say nothing, but like, you know, I don't remember it well, but I have the vague notion. I sort of know what's going on here. And... Unfortunately, though, well, we'll talk about it next issue, shan't we? Yeah, well, I need to see how the story shakes out. Yeah. Yeah, anything we really feel like we have or want to say about this strip, based on some vague remembrance of it or notion of where the ideas go in it, really do have to wait until next issue till we see exactly how this particular story shakes out. So it doesn't leave us with a lot to say, because there's not a lot on the page here to deal with. And... Like, honestly, now that we're at the end of the issue, like, that's just the vibe of the issue. Yeah. Just a very uninspiring issue. Not in a disheartening sort of way, the way that one issue that really made us question our life choices from a while ago (laughs) was. Just an unfortunate collection of stories that are set up. Yeah. You know, Hobson and Choi is all set up for something that never happens. Knuckles is simply in the middle of telling its own story. It's absolutely fine. There's no complaints at all. It's just unfortunate that it's paired with a story that's also all set up for nothing. Yeah. Same with Sonic's World here. It's about introducing this Agent X characters. It doesn't feel like this particular story is about that yet, but I know Agent X becomes recurring. So that's kind of what this story is Mm -hmm. is for. And we have to see what the second part of the story does with that before we can talk about it in any way. And the Tales one's just shit. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's not a a great crop, honestly. Not because the stories are bad. It's just because it's uh, unfortunate that they all fell at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, if, if this root of all evil story had been in last issue instead of... I don't know, whatever else was in last issue, I've already forgotten. We wouldn't have blinked at it. We'd be like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, it's in the yeah. back, whatever. But um, there's just no one big, strong story pulling up the rest of the comic, just as there's no one particularly weak story dragging the whole rest of the comic down, as bad as the Tales one is. Um, yeah, just just uninspiring, an uninspiring collection of stories, this issue. And that pin-up, then, that, if anything's oh. dragging the f- comic down. I'm a little bit worried about this episode. What can you do? Sometimes it happens. Should we talk about Wackaday? (laughs) (laughs) Talked about an electronic typewriter. There's a lot of excitement in that. Lots of excitement there. Everybody's on the edge of their seats about that. Um, Maybe there's something in the speed line. Yes, let's find out. Paper Fan. This one's from Robert Peacock in Royston, Hertfordshire. Dear Megadroid, I started collecting STC from issue number four, but Mm. after issue number 53, I lapsed from buying it. Gosh, but that means you'd have got the first part of Total Chaotix and thought, nah, and I can't even conceive of thinking like that. (laughs) No, no, see yourself. Listeners, to save you looking it up, that means that he read the epic final episode of the Sonic 3 and Knuckles saga 
and the amazing first episode of Chaotix, which of course leads into all the Metallics and everything, and then just and then stopped there with the comic on its strongest game ever. Why would you do this? Until I recently started buying it again. Having rejoined the massed ranks of boomers, I was very pleased to find that the comic is now printed on 100% recycled paper. Well done. Oh, and frankly, what a good yes, boy Robert Peacock must yes, be. Yes, that was the exact response I had. Very much the apple on the teacher's Ooh, desk good, good of boy. speed mm, letters there. Bet you rinse out your plastic bottles and reuse them. <laughs> mm, and Megadroid replies, after relocating to your planet, Robert. Again, again. again? Okay, so they, that's it. They think Megadroid is from space. Mm. More on that in a minute. Oh, who was that? Uh, I realised you needed all the help you could get. Uh, uh, uh. Welcome return. Dear Megadroid, I had been missing Chaotix after they disappeared into the special zone back in issue 100. Because I hadn't seen them for so long, I was made up to see them return to the best comic in the world, says Jake Butler from Launceston Cornwall, Enamel Badge Prize winner. Megadroid says, a viewpoint shared by a huge amount of other boomers too, Jake. What's he talking about? He can't be talking about last issue whenever they showed up in the Knuckles story. Well, it must be, right? Well, how could the letter get in that fast? Well, but it, it must be an email. It doesn't say it. No, and none of them do. Is that what's happened? Are we in the new era now where they're not telling us what's an email and what's not? Because are we... Look, are we in the era now when nobody in their right mind would send a letter when you can send an email? Maybe. Is that where we are? I couldn't send an email yet. No, I know you couldn't, but we've been start- I think you must be the last person. <laughs> wow. It's kind of nice being the abnormal one on the show for a change. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wonder what it would be like to be normal. (laughs) Mega Mystery. Dear Megadroid, though you are much cooler and better looking than the first Megadroid, I still wonder, what happened to him? Oh, God. Did his guarantee run out? Or did he blow up? Please, could you tell me? From Sheridan Few from Wantage Oxen. Uh, And Megadroid replies, I cannot fault your good taste, Sheridan, but you'll have to watch this space before you can find out the real answer to your question. What? Nonsense. Right, Wait first a of minute. All, right, there's a lot to unpack yeah. here. One, it's the same bloke. It's the same bloke he regenerated. <laughs> yeah, he got a new body. Somebody made a bo- better He made a better body for himself, and then he plugged his brain into it, and now he's this. Go on, say that one three times first. He made a better body for himself. He made a better body for himself. And they're acting like it's something they're going to answer in the future. I wish. Like that bunkum about staying tuned to find out what Grimer's pipes are for. Yeah, exactly. From a couple of issues ago. If you don't know, just make a joke. Don't tease the idea that there's going to be a story about it in the future. Or commission the story. What a great little backup strip that would be of the old Megadroid returning because it turns out that he'd been put in storage or something and they're rivals or something. Replaced by this space invader from space! What a cool story that would be if he was... He actually was sent from space for some reason. And he was, he'd been pretending to be the original yeah. Megadroid all along, and they were really two separate guys, and therefore the idea that Megadroid was from space wasn't a massive continuity error. That'd be wicked. They should have. Right. Hit us with the last one there, Dave. This is from Marcus Hughes in Pontefract, West Yorkshire. And go on, go for it. Rhymes and reasons. Dear Megadroid, I thought you might like to hear my poem. Oh, you did, did you? I know a red fellow who makes Robotnik bellow. 
He's tough and he's strong, has the will to go on. His name's not Sonic or Tails, but like them, he never fails. On Sonic 3, he chuckles. My hero's name's Knuckles. Wow, well done. I um... Megadroid didn't even bother responding to it. No, no, and nor should we, except I did, just <laughs> because it would be really funny. I googled, just in case there was a poet called Marcus Hughes. Why do you do these things? And there is. But he's young and American, so that won't be him. But there aren't going to be two people called Sheridan Few, though, are there? So There might be a Sheridan couple. <laughs> so congratulations on your Speedlines appearance. Dr. Few, lecturer in urban energy systems. I'm not clever enough to understand any of your accolades or papers, but you appear to be doing things to do with climate change. And I don't think you'd use that term if you were trying to exacerbate it, so we're glad to have you. Particularly, uh, I, maybe you're now friends with Robert Peacock. I was going to say Robert Peacock Banging would be very the drum proud. for environmentalism as far back as 1998. I absolutely refuse to believe that's the same Sheridan few. It must be. I just, I just do. How many Sheridan fews are there going to be who live in the UK and are our age, basically? The funny thing is, there is absolutely room for Megadroid to do a little response if they would shrink this picture down below it to its proper aspect ratio. Oh my god, yeah. So there would be room for Megadroid to reply. Now look, this is obviously a drawing of something and I don't know who. Do you? I, he looks like a drawing of something, but I could also believe it's just a drawing of an original character because because uh. the anonymous boomer who has sent it in and not sent in their name and address mm -hmm. is a good d at drawing. Mm. Yeah. It's a good drawing of Robotnik giving a thumbs up to an evil looking fella. A little fuzzy rabbit. Maybe a rabbit. Maybe a kangaroo. A Sonic one of them with evil eyes. Yeah. Big Sonic-y type shoe. Big, big sneakers on him. And big pointy fingernail claws that have torn out the end of his gloves. He just looks so much like he's out of Tasmania or something to me, you know? Oh yeah, he, was, he looks like he had his own Mega Drive game that only came yeah. out in Europe that nobody played. 100%. Like, I think yeah. that is what it is. But I don't know the character, so I can't say. Yeah. That's an Aero the Acrobat, if ever I saw one, you know? Yeah, that's what that looks like. And and it's just there's something about the shoes. They're so designed and so sonic -y. But yeah, this may indeed be an original character by this person. So, fair enough. But we don't know what person it is. This is an anonymous artist who has not sent in their name and address. Mystery. Unlike... Uh, top left, Paul Nichols from Tottingham, Bedfordshire, who, another good cartoonist. Yeah. I think this is uh, Supersonic reading an issue of Sonic the Comic. Yeah, Supersonic knows how to put his free time to good use, STC have captioned it. Mm. I mean, it's not perfect as art, is it? His arms growing out the side of his head and his hands are two different sizes, but there's an energy to it. Yeah, it's just... There's just someone comfortable with a pen. It's the, it's the slightly disconnected line work on one of his swirly eyes. And the fact that they've drawn an outline around that that's kind of jagged mm. and zigzag. I don't know, it just looks... And let's look at the spikes. I don't know, there's something about this drawing that strikes me as it's another cartoonist kid. Both these kids, cartoonist kids. I mean, he's got a hunchback more than he has spikes, to be honest. Like, you're, you're really looking into it and seeing the good, the energy of it, yes. rather than actually... The, it's like Supersonic, if he was an Igor, he's really actually very misshapen. Well, yeah, but it's only what we've done with the other one. I mean, if actually look at those attempts at drawing thumbs-ups and so on. You know, that's not perfect either. Yeah, oh, come on, that's just because... Are you really going to get on the back of a kid who can't quite draw a clenched fist to I'm the not going to get on properly? the back of any kid. I think they're both Hands good. are the hardest thing possible to draw. I think they're know? both good. I'm not getting on the back of any of these kids. They're, 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 there's one here that's very much definitely <laughs> better than the other one. And probably old. 
older as well is why because that one's the uh, the anonymous one you is have all... to cut all this if it turns out it is him and he gets back to you by the way <laughs> yeah the anonymous one is all shaded and everything isn't mm. it yeah a thinner pen I think that's a slightly older kid but yes no I see cartoonists in both of these anything in our mailbag this issue oh god it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters it's your letters We've got this one here from Ewan that says... Of this parish? Do you know what? Yes, it is. We've got one here from Ewan of this parish who says... Dear Dave and Chris, please pass this message on to Randy, whose letter you read out in issue 118. Ooh. There's a good chap. Randy! You said you want a 32-bit Saturn-style Sonic game featuring lo-fi, blocky, textured graphics. Chris said you might want to look into fan games from that. I'll go a step further. As another crap early 3D graphics enthusiast, I come bearing recommendations. Oh. Dave mentioned Sonic Roboblast 2, and yes. while, by default, it has Doom-style 2D character sprites, you can switch to, oh, some really lovely low-poly character models for all the playable characters. Great game, great level design, great music, except that first level, don't know whose fault that one was, but they really ballsed it up. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> next up, check out Sonic Storm, a modern Sonic game aiming for a PS1 look with a very interesting art style. Ooh. Mm. There's also this one little demo called Sonic 95 Scrambled Eggs. And while the levels are in 2D 16-bit style, the cutscenes are low-poly animations crunched down to look like they're running on Windows 95. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sonic fans make some great stuff. There's Sonic 3D Flicky's Island Remake, a fan demo that dares to ask the question, what if Sonic 3D was 3D? <laughs> <laughs> and Sonic Blast Next, a fan demo that dares to ask the question, what if Sonic Blast wasn't a load of bollocks? <laughs> <laughs> There's a demo for a 3D remake of Sonic Rush with some fun DS-style low-poly, as well as an avalanche of fan games attempting to remake Sonic Extreme, including one from just last year that will actually run on a real Saturn, which, if I was doing this in a sensible order, would have been the first one I told you about. This is but the tip of the chunky, fuzzy-textured iceberg. If you widen your horizons to indie 3D platformers inspired by Sonic, there's loads out there to find on Steam and beyond. It's a great time to be into video games that look lovably crap. Happy travels, Ewan. P.S. Oh, God, Dave wrote the Sonic Roboblast music. Oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, Randy, whatever you do, don't tell Dave any of what I said earlier. <laughs> that was nice. Thanks, Ewan. Got one here from Tom Wick, who says, I've written to you before in a manner of speaking. A few months ago, I dashed off a quick Twitter DM about the Sonic 2 jacket patch compo, which was read out in episode 106. I was never in the habit of entering the STC compo, so I'm not sure what compelled me to enter that particular one after years of ignoring all the ones that were giving away actual games, consoles, and Sonic and <laughs> yeah, Knuckles good jackets. Stuff. Back in the good days, yeah. Although now, each time a combo comes up on the podcast, I always find myself wishing I had entered all yeah. the others, even the rubbish Skittles ones. You got free sweets in that compo, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, some nice sweets, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still, listen, the most rubbish one has still got to be the Big Pritt stick. <laughs> <laughs> and the best one, the uh, Nigel Dobbin Knuckles cover in the Knuckles Knockout special. Oh, that doesn't even really count. That was so good. Like, yeah. that, was, that was in another league, you know? Yeah. Like many of your listeners, STC was a childhood obsession for me, but somehow I didn't discover the podcast until the release of episode 100. Oh, fair enough. And wasted no time in wallowing in your glorious backlog. I would like to know... Oh, oh matron. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, don't want to pick through our glorious backlogs. I tell you what, though, I would like to know how you found out about us for issue 100. I wonder what, yeah. wonder what brought us to you. I've never been someone who listens to many podcasts, but this one is an absolute treat because after 30 years, it's the first time I've ever known anyone uh-huh. to properly discuss uh-huh. and analyze this thing uh-huh. that was so important to me. Properly being the operative word there. Including the Martin Adams novels. Of course, none of that would have counted for anything if the hosts weren't entertaining, so thank you both for making it such a joy to listen to. Hey, thank, thank you. you. My first issue was number 19, the launch of the Eternal Champion strip, and I never missed an issue as long as it was printing new stories. I largely ignored the poster mags, but collected all the specials, including the Eternal Champions one, and both yearbooks, and when the back issue service was launched, I ordered as many of the first 18 as were available at the time, which was around half of them. It filled in a few useful gaps, including the origin of Sonic, but I had to wait over 10 years for the scans to find out how the cliffhanger resolved itself. I have fond memories of most of the free gifts. I devoured the fruit pastels. <laughs> I lost the green sonic spinner in my neighbor's garden. Oh, Gilbert Grumpy. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Nope. Well, that's not so bad if you were getting it back. You weren't losing it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a Gilbert Grumpy then. <laughs> I wore the crucial button cover to school. Oh, oh wow. Braver, man. <laughs> I covered my bedroom desk with the stickers, which made it very difficult to write anything when I only had a single sheet of paper on it. Oh, the top, the surface of the desk. Oh, literally covered the, <laughs> whoa, made it like a little, yeah. And I carelessly tossed the belt clip into a box of tat that went up into the attic and never saw it again. I'm sorry to say that I put up every pinup. Yes, even the Badnik ones. Wow. Even the, even the Robotnik, one. Robotnik one. <laughs> and in hindsight, I regret defacing the comics, but my bedroom walls were glorious. Oh, I bet. I even somehow managed to convince my parents to take the family to Sega World in 1996 for my mum's 40th birthday. Your mum's 40th you birthday. brave, bold soul. Oh, wow. I I did write to STC a couple of times. I never had anything printed, but when the Knuckles Knockout special was delayed from the originally advertised date, I wrote in to say that I hadn't been able to find it in any of the shops. By this point, I had seen the revised date and come to the conclusion that it had probably been delayed, but I carried on optimistically searching for it anyway, just on the off chance. In response to this, I received a letter from Megadroid explaining the error and, by way of apology, enclosing another set of the free transfers that were given away with issue 78. Even throughout my adult years, I never really stopped thinking about STC because each issue was connected with so many childhood memories. And a few years ago, I couldn't resist writing to Nigel Kitching. It was the first time I'd ever found anywhere to express my appreciation of everything the comic had meant to me, and how even the more low-key stories like Smokey and the Badnik had resonated with me at the time. Mm. He wrote back with a lovely reply about his work on the comic in general and on Smokey and the Badnik in particular, explaining that the idea was originally rejected by the editor... But when a new editor came along, he submitted the idea again, and after it was approved, he sketched out the whole strip in rough form before Richard Elson created the polished art. Oh. He also very kindly enclosed a sketch of Chuck and Head from Decap Attack. In his words, the only strip I really felt comfortable drawing. Hmm. Oh, Nigel is so hard on his I own know. work, man. I loved when he drew Sonics. It's great when he draws Sonic. Yeah, yeah. little guys. At some point, I stopped picking up STC from the local newsagent, and we started getting it delivered through the letterbox with the morning paper. This meant that I was able to get it first thing on Wednesday morning before school. Oh, wow. The only drawback was that, like the newspaper, the comic arrived with the first line of our address written in biro across the top cover. Oh, that's like my copies that are all, uh... 
Well, this issue doesn't have oh. 337 Lady written across it like all my others do. But that's, yes, I guess that's what we, we ascertained. It was the address written for a delivery rather than the name of the mm. person. Because I was used to having my surname written on the cover, picking it up from oh. those agents. Fancy. Later still, we took out a proper subscription, which lasted until issue 184, the last issue with original content. After that, we simply stopped receiving any further issues. But as far as I'm aware, my parents never actually cancelled the subscription. Eventually, I think I must have come to the conclusion that the comic had quietly ended, which probably wouldn't mm. have seemed too surprising at the time, yeah. given that it had been steadily producing less and less new content over the last two years. But in hindsight, it does seem odd that they would abruptly stop delivering them to us when we would have already paid for a full year's worth in advance and they had no reason to assume we didn't want the reprint issues hmm, yes point. that's true yeah i suppose it's possible that our subscription may have coincidentally ended with that issue mm. but i don't recall having any idea that the comic was about to go into full reprint so if that had been the case i can't imagine we wouldn't have renewed the subscription mm. now it was 23 years ago i was 14 years old and the memory does cheat so mm -hmm. it's entirely possible i'm forgetting an important element of all this especially considering the subscription would have been in my parents name and they have no memory of any of this at all well no of course i'd be interested to hear via the podcast from anyone else who was a subscriber at the time did they continue to to receive the reprints from issue 185 onwards in my case that wouldn't have been any more satisfying having paid in advance for a full year of what i would have assumed to have been new material speaking of which how will the podcast adapt when you eventually you only have seven pages of story to review each fortnight have you given any thought to how you're going to avoid sonic the poster mic syndrome and end up with 15 minute episodes that's from tom wake master system mega drive and dreamcast owner <laughs> sonic 2 jacket patch winner we refuse to think that far ahead. <laughs> the topic comes up in conversation it's every now and yes. again. And every time we've said no. Nope. We will worry about that when issue 150-whatever rolls around. And I'll admit I've started worrying about it, but not thinking about it. Not coming up with solutions. I am only worried about when it goes seven pages, one strip. I'm not worried yeah. about when the comic goes three strips instead of four. Oh no, that'll be fine. That's plenty, that's fine. We'll still be banging out hour and a half long episodes at that, I'm sure, if yeah, yeah. if the nonsense we come up with now is uh, anything to go by. Yeah. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> So yeah, thanks for that letter, Tom. And if anybody else who was subscribing does have an answer to that question, yeah, mm. do, do let us know. Yeah. Those people wrote into stctpodcast at gmail.com and so should you tell us your memories. That tell Just tell us your childhood Sonic memories. How did this stuff yeah. connect to your life, you know? As long as those Sonic memories are from, like, from now or earlier. I don't want to know about, oh, I watched Sonic X and that was my Sonic memory. That's fine. I'm happy for you. Well, such as this issue has been, I guess that's it. What a great way of describing this issue as well. Yeah, I, I guess, guess that's, that's it. it. Yeah, not as I, as I said before, not the kind of one that breaks your faith in the comic and makes you fear for the future the way that one yeah. from a while ago did. Yeah. It's just they can't all be winners, and unfortunately, this is one of the ones that wasn't. Yeah, what are you going to do? Fine, isn't it? Yeah. Next issue will probably be better. Probably. There's an exciting new Sonic story starting. There's a decap instead of tails. There's mm. uh, the knuckle story. Well, the knuckle, the good knuckle story that we're enjoying will continue. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we'll see how this Sonic's world shakes out. And as well as that, it's a heartwarming Valentine's issue. Yeah, on I top bet there's of all uh, that. I bet there's no Valentine. You know, I was going to say I bet there's no Valentine's content, but there'll definitely be a Valentine's graphic zone, won't there? Oh, of course there will. But you know what? Yeah. I don't think there'll be a Valentine's card. Otherwise, they'd mention it here, and they don't. No. Instead, we've got a free Sonic 
key ring. Sorry, but evidently they'd found out that I'd already sorted my life out. <laughs> Dave no doesn't need a Valentine's card anymore. This man. <laughs> He's finally got himself sorted out. I actually like it. We've got the illustration from the cover here, which is Valentine's themed and tied yes. in with the tied uh, in with the story and the issue double yeah. sonic story because it's sonic and amy surrounded by a heart but the heart is made of the twisting weeds and vines from uh, from mm. the root of all evil story and amy's got a pump action sprayer of weed killer in her hand instead of a crossbow <laughs> how interesting it would be if that is in fact the pinup yep because there is a sonic and amy pinup in the next issue i uh, it, i mean it would certainly be preferable to the Dr. Robotnik one in this one, so we'll just have I to guess. see. But, but I'm having horrible visions now of dreadful clip art Sonic and Amy pinups oh, of I just know. stuff pasting crap together. Oh, it could just be the original Sonic CD image, I suppose. Have we had that as a pinup yet? Um, no, I don't think we have. Well, well, we'll find out next then. time. Yeah. Plus, there are also two new stories, Sonic and Decap, and Sonic's World and Knuckles. STC 123 on sale Wednesday the 11th of February 1998, still only 1.25. Make it a dit! And above all of that are your free tickets to oh, get into yeah. Sega World. So off we scamper. One each, Chris. Should we go now? Valid until March 1998. They wouldn't work. We'd have to get in for free without them. Oh, what a shame. Okay. Oh, well, perhaps we'll try that. Trocadero, 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 dear, 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 oh, dear, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, right. So, anyway, there'll be no slacking whenever you're looking for next issue, which you can find most places good podcasts are available, or you can download it directly from our website at stctp.zone. And you can follow us. You can follow the podcast on the socials. Look for at Sonic Podcast, and we're on them as well. We're at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well. You can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount will get you access to the voluminous vault oh. of very good v- stuff uh, <laughs> uh, where we look at all Virtual the Martin- v- what's the v word for content the content we're back to the original problem <laughs> <laughs> where yes you'll find video and audio of us going through the Martin Adams novels yeah. as Tom mentioned in, in his letter there uh, plus the still they're, they're all complete now all four Martin Adams novels have been seen through to the end but still mm-hmm. ongoing is the dreadful saga of hey. Dave's torturous teenage fan fiction and it is Yay. it is a genuinely interesting experience it's torturous in a completely different way <laughs> than it used to be because for the first two years uh-huh. we were reading a story by a, a child who thought what they were writing was cool yeah. the problem is what we're reading now is a story written by a child who thinks they're clever <laughs> yeah. it's a whole different experience patreon.com slash stcdp if you want to be part of it we don't say that often but those are also live streams the first time they go oh, out yeah. you can be in the chat listening to the story and critiquing it along with chris as we go along so. yeah that was an innovation for 1997 that's powering <laughs> on into 1998 patreon yes. stuff used to be pre-recorded but it's all done on uh, live streams over on youtube now which you only get access to if you are a patreon supporter and then archived as video so you can yes. all you can what you'll see the whole archive of them. yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they don't go anywhere yeah they're they're all still in there that you can come and watch but if you want to come and enjoy for a given mm. value of enjoy it mm. all along with us you can do that 
Or you could listen to our opening theme, which is called Synchronize, and it's by Sonic the Comic the Band. Or you can listen to us talking, because we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast. Or you can or you come can and see, see us, us all. because we will see you next time! <laughs>